This is episode 144 of Alohomora for July 4th, 2015. Hello, everybody. Happy 4th of July to our American listeners, and welcome to another episode of Alohomora. Open the Dumbledore. I am Eric Skull. I'm Kat Miller. I'm the long lost and finally found Michael Harley. We found you. (laughs) (laughs) And our guest today is Connor, but you listeners might know him as Skagai, one of our frequent commenters on the main site. Say hello to everybody, Skagai. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? Fortunately. Connor, I have a pressing, pressing question for you. Oh, shoot. Have we, like, for the last 143 episodes of Alohomora, have we been mangling your username, or is it actually meant to be pronounced? Skagai. We it asked is... him, and he wouldn't tell us. I, I sent Noah a response, and he had oh. never shared it with everybody. I guess not. Um, but uh, it's just a nonsensical word. It's like, um, I just kind of like how it looks, like... Uh, how George Lucas has like R2D2 and THX 1138 just looks cool uh-huh. to me. <laughs> I don't even pronounce it in my head. I just see it. So you can pronounce it any way you want. I kind of oh like that. Oh, my kidding. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Well, if you say it's like R2D2, then perhaps we should be calling it SKGAI. I don't know. Like, I think Skagai has a better ring to it, though. Yeah, I like Skagai. Yeah. It's like, it's it's actually pronounced Connor, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just written in another language. It's Celtic. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> That's a heck of an interesting. No, I, I, I like that you like the way that it looks, and I, I can't. I, I, I obviously, I, I have to say honestly that uh, I also like the way it looks. So, it's not something I would have thought of, but now that I know the story behind it, I'm even more intrigued. It's actually, um, I, I created all my usernames in 2001 for some reason, and just stuck mm. with them. And I was a big fan of AI, artificial intelligence, the Spielberg movie. Oh my gosh, that's oh, a great yeah. movie! Oh my god, so, I just watched that yeah, a few months it's ago. It's fantastic. But <laughs> SKG is DreamWorks Company. That's the bottom yeah. letters at the Spielberg, Katzenberg, and I don't remember the other guy's name. Nobody does. Oh, no way! AI to the end of it. It's totally ridiculous, but it's just stuck forever, I guess. <laughs> that is very clever. That's a really. My, oh my gosh, I'm geeking out answers, over that. Answers right are now. revealed. No, that's really cool. I like I that mean, a lot. Talk about old usernames. My first username ever was Cat and Lance because I had a crush on Lance from inside. Lance, yes. <laughs> and it wasn't and, it was N, like K A T N Lance. Cat yeah. mm, and Lance. Oh, the 2000s. And, Good times. Uh, oh, we, we, we usually ask this question of our uh, guest host, Connor. What uh, Hogwarts house would you be in? I would be in Gryffindor. No. Oh. That's where Pottermore, Pottermore took me into, and I, I think it's uh, the right call. I certainly value those things. I don't know if I'm necessarily courageous at all, though, but I do value it. <laughs> well, okay. that's okay. You can st- you d- you don't necessarily have to be. You can also be chivalrous. To be it's true. So, do you open doors for people a lot? Uh, yeah, I, I guess if yeah, See? if I'm with somebody, I will always. <laughs> this is the easiest way to be a Gryffindor is just. Commit to whole doors open for people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I just have to say, listeners, I just have to say a big shout out and thank you to all of the uh, Alohomora staff and MuggleNet staff who covered for me for these last few weeks that I was supposed to be on and I wasn't able to be. Um, I appreciate all of the hard work done to to cover for me at the last minute very much because I was busy singing and dancing 
for my chorus. <laughs> so, but I'm back now, so it's all good. And since I'm back, I will today be leading the chapter discussion, which is chapter 26 of Half-Blood Prince, The Cave. So make sure and read that chapter before listening to the rest of this episode so that you can get the most out of our discussion today. Such a good chapter. Oh, what a chapter it's it so is. so good. Yeah, Indeed. you got. I've waited for a long time to get on the show, and then you guys plopped the cave on me. It's like the biggest chapter. <laughs> so much to talk about. You're welcome. <laughs> yep. your, your patience is rewarded. We really are at those excellent, fateful chapters of Half-Blood Prince. We're at that side, this end of the book. And last week, we discussed the previous chapter, which was chapter 25. And we have some comments that we gathered after the episode aired from people who had a lot to say about what we talked about. And it's mostly discussion on Snape and Dumbledore. Those are, those, are good thing, those are good things to talk about, though. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. A lot of interesting things to talk about based on last week's app. I was listening to prepare for this app. And I just have to say that a lot of great points were brought up, and a lot of people really enjoyed our host uh, last week as well, our guest host, Shauna. So, Connor, you've got a lot to live up to. Bring your brain, and we'll start discussing. You know, listeners, all those episodes from the past where we would say things like, so you guys said things about Snape, but we're not gonna we're gonna save that for for later. Now is now is later. It's later. Later is yeah. now. No, I thought you'd just wait until the Prince's Tale, and then we just have like a fourteen hour podcast. About Snape. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. that that, that episode will be three chapter or three different episodes. That chapter. We'd have to find somebody who actually likes Snape, since none of us do. Uh, I That's love true. Snape. Are you kidding me? It's fantastic. Ah, but I I was trolling on your comments, and you said that this was your least favorite book. It, it is. It remains. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're, I know it you're is weird. It is all about Snape, but I it still is the find Snape this book. least appealing of all seven books. Well, we will certainly have a lot to talk about. So, from chapter 25, our first comment comes in from I See Thestrals. They say, Dumbledore does try to place a lot of trust in people, and I do think he did see how much Snape regretted his actions in the memory in Deathly Hallows. But I think another reason he might have pulled Snape under his wing was so he wouldn't go astray the way Tom Riddle did. Dumbledore did not catch Riddle before he became the darkest wizard of all time, and even though it's a bit of a lesson of trusting the wrong people, Dumbledore was willing to place faith in another wizard who had always appeared to be dark and dangerous. Though I don't think he thought Snape would surpass Voldemort, he might have put a great effort into bringing Snape to his side in order to prevent him from slipping deeper into darkness. It was too late for him to do anything about Riddle, but in his mind it wasn't too late to steer Snape on the right path. I'm not certain if Dumbledore had been watching Snape closely enough to witness his hidden friendship with Lily, but if he had, he might have remembered that a young Gryffindor had seen something worthwhile in the young Slytherin. If that was the case, it might have inspired Dumbledore to put such faith in Snape and believe the remorse he felt for Lily's death. Oof. So this discussion uh, last week was, again, why does Snape trust, or why does Dumbledore trust Snape? And that uh, came to a head in the headmaster's office at the end of the last chapter. Uh, I'm, I disagree with this comment. I think that uh, Dumbledore isn't taking Snape under his wing to keep him you know, on the good side. I think he just trusted Snape from the get-go and lets Snape be Snape and utilizes all of his strengths. I don't really see him really trying to protect him in any way. He doesn't seem like he's doing that at all. Well, yeah. uh, you know, 
Trelawney and Snape were juxtaposed or placed together in the same chapter last week. They both apparently applied for a job at the same time, and I, I, I can't help but feel that, based on how that turned out, that Trelawney's the one who made the prophecy, and Snape's the one who heard the prophecy and, you know, betrayed um, it to Voldemort. But they're both key players in, you know, surrounding the prophecy, and I think it's a bit like Dumbledore collected them after that. He mm -hmm. decided that he, that these are two people that he needed to employ immediately, if not with genuine, like, concern or interest, but, you know, to, to just keep them, to have them with him. That's the, kind of the part of this comment that I, that I see. Like, he brought Snape in because it was essential, because Snape has value. Well, I mean, he knew that Snape was a <clears throat> Death Eater when... They found him peeping through the hole, listening, right? Mm -hmm. So I do think that it wasn't until after Snape revealed his, quote, love, end quote, for Lily, mm. um, <laughs> that, you like that? That, yeah. uh, that Dumbledore decided to trust him. And I don't think, I disagree with the comment as well. I don't think that um, Dumbledore was trying to keep him from going astray. I think quite the opposite um i kind of agree with connor i think dumbledore was just letting snape live the life he was going to live no matter what because snape is a prat but he is not an evil dark wizard hmm. i i agree with connor because I, this comment from ic thestral seems to imply that dumbledore has a feeling of guilt over what tom riddle became and from what we've read he does not yeah, um, I don't think he, so. He takes no responsibility for that, and I don't think he should. Um, you know, the, we did talk a little bit about in the in the the secret riddle about how Dumbledore could have missed the obvious signs that Tom Riddle was a super unusual, weird, creepy child. But at the same time, D Tom Riddle was not Dumbledore's sole responsibility, um, and so he has no. I don't think that that is what's motivating his uh, taking Snape under his wing. I think, like you said, Eric, he sees Snape as someone of value for this whole mission against Voldemort. Mm -hmm. hmm. Well, let's take this discussion a little further. We got a comment from I got transfigured into a rhubarb. <clears throat> they say, I was just listening again. Somebody said that Dumbledore changing the subject from Snape to the Horcrux hunt was an excuse for Dumbledore to not discuss this issue. Whilst Dumbledore, in my opinion, does not have the sun shine out of his you-know-what, <laughs> he has every right to refuse to talk about this with Harry. Although Snape is a jerk, Snape is entitled to his privacy on the matter, and Dumbledore's refusal to play into Harry's hands is perfectly acceptable. Dumbledore has the right to protect his teacher's dignity of this humiliating occurrence, no matter what our views or Harry's views are. Now this so, I agree with wholeheartedly. Okay. Yeah. Um, Me too, they, in fact. Harry does the, the whole shouting at Dumbledore thing is revived briefly. Um, in the I, th last I think everyone was right there. Harry has every right to be angry, and Dumbledore has every right to not tell him anything, and Snape has every right to be a jerk, so. It's yeah. Just a, just a confluence <laughs> of everyone gets to be right. One of those evil triads. Yeah, yeah. it's. It, um, see, for me, it's, um, it's mixed. It's like, I, I do think that, generally speaking, this is correct because in preparation for this chapter i thought it might be useful to reread um a few of chapters from uh 
Deathly Hallows, so I reread mm. the uh, the Prince's Tale, and uh, kind of putting that into context with this, yeah, I can see that. But at the same time, it's tough for me because Dumbledore is using everybody as a as a chess piece in a game, mm-hmm. and it's when you put it, you know, when you look at it that way, and he's you know, he's not informing all of his pieces. Like he is truly playing it like chess. Like these people are sac- they easily sacrificed. These people are the people who will be saved. Um, it's a little tough when you're restraining that information, and I guess it's difficult too because I've never I've never really been favorable of how Dumbledore shuts the discussion down. Um, I guess it's because he's backed into a corner and he can't really get out of by explaining any other way. But it is it just doesn't seem to be approached very well. I, I think I think for me I liked it the most when I just like reread it like earlier today. Jim Dale was reading it to me, um, and I I didn't hate it so much um, as I have in the past. I always thought that like the revelation of oh it was Snape was like very eleventh hour and very like you know last minute, could not well handled all that stuff. Except what occurred to me when I was uh, again going over the last chapter and going over some of these comments is that this was the last time Harry would have an opportunity to shout at Dumbledore for something. You know, there are so many, if not too many, revelations about Dumbledore about hang on. About what he kept from Harry, about, you know, all of that stuff that comes out later after Dumbledore is dead and Harry can't do anything about it, that I actually looked at this scene between them where Harry's shouting about, you know, Snape even further for the, like, the tenth time as, like, a novelty because this is the last time that Harry's going to be able to do that. And Dumbledore, I guess, as part of his character, was just uh, unapologetic. And that's kind of the Dumbledore that I think we're meant to remember uh, is that he, he really did what he did without many regrets as oftentimes as he spoke about his regrets or appeared to be humble um Dumbledore was not that type of character and in shutting Harry down he kind of displays that again and it's it may be a little bit insensitive I think it may be fair to call Dumbledore insensitive but I just liked it because Harry was able to shout at him one last time (laughs) and you know I like the fact that it happened here you know you mentioned that you used to think it was a little bit 11th hour and I think that Harry's rage is really important for him to kind of bottle up in this moment. Otherwise, think about afterwards when they get back to Hogwarts. He's thinking about everything they just went through and his mm-hmm. recent knowledge of Snape. And then he sees Snape and he's like, oh, my God, I want to freaking murder yeah. you. And I feel like it was really important for it to happen at that time for him to stop thinking about it. And then when he sees Snape, it just comes bubbling back up and he is so mad again. So... Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what also puts some perhaps extra added weight on the fact that Snape is revealed to be the Half-Blood Prince, because we have had a lot of people Mm -hmm. throughout this book saying, who cares, who cares who the Half-Blood Prince is, it doesn't matter. And in the scheme of things, probably not. But as far as I think the relationship between Harry and Snape, which is supposed to be a pretty big major piece of Deathly Hallows, I think Mm -hmm. she wanted us to leave with that note. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So This is how you get one of his kids named after you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but only a middle name, not a first name. Right. Yeah. Uh, what, else, what else that does is it leads us right into the chapter we're going to discuss, the cave. It, you, you, if you can go into a scary situation in a book where you are really pissed off at somebody and you're confused and you maybe even doubt him, 
uh, that's a good place to get some fear going. So I think it works as you know as J.K. Rowling's writing to really get you set up for the chapter we're about to talk about. Yeah, that's true. A huge reveal followed by like this compounded huge other set of reveals. Shifting gears just slightly, but keeping the subject on Snape, there was some question raised on last week's episode about how exactly the interruption of the prophecy affected the prophecy, whether Trelawney stopped, whether uh, Snape, you know, what made it so that he only heard half the thing. And the most satisfactory answer that I read on the comments comes from Snape's many buttons <laughs> on the Alomora main site. They say, I don't think Trelawney paused in giving the prophecy, but that after hearing the first part of it, Snape was grabbed by Aberforth, and while being yelled at and trying to explain to Aberforth why he was there, he missed hearing the final half of the prophecy. It would only take about 30 seconds to recite the entire prophecy, so he wasn't out there long before Aberforth grabbed him, and then only maybe 20 seconds more before he opened the door to tell Dumbledore to let uh, that he had found someone outside. Also, Trelawney is not aware of her surroundings while giving the prophecy, but she would only have missed 20 seconds or so of Aberforth and Snape in the hallway before she came out of the trance and they opened the door. It's clear that Voldemort never received the entire prophecy, or else he wouldn't have worked so hard to get it in Order of the Phoenix. So if Snape did hear all of it, he kept back half of it on purpose. Also, one theory of why Snape turned over the prophecy is that he was sent to apply for a teaching job so he could spy on Dumbledore. Being so young, he probably had little to no chance to get this job, so he was probably in trouble to start with. After being caught listening at the door, he couldn't even ask for the job and was faced with returning to Voldemort having failed in his mission, something that never ends well. So he gave Voldemort the prophecy, hoping to appease him and lessen whatever punishment he would get for failing his mission. I doubt he had time to really contemplate who the prophecy would be about, or what its ramifications would be, he was just trying to avoid Voldemort's wrath. It's entirely possible that he didn't even know Lily was pregnant. She was only a few months along in the late 79 or early 80s when the prophecy was made. Thank you, Snape's uh, Many Buttons, for that last bit, because I, I have the belief that fan fiction has very much warped people's ideas of how much Snape and Lily were in contact with each other around this time. Mm -hmm. Because they were not hmm. pretty much at all. <laughs> they, they, I, I have very, I, I have very little doubt that Snape knew nothing that, about Lily's pregnancy. Like, I, mm. I, I don't think yeah. he knew anything about that. So I, 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 I appreciate that bit there because yeah, there's so much fan fiction where Snape will go to Lily before the wedding or when he hears about the baby. And he'll be like, come come with me. And she'll be like, I want to, but James has me trapped in this loveless marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I want to know how long it took Voldemort to react to the prophecy in this way then. How long he was searching for the potters, you know, um, in, in that case. Because if, if she hadn't yet given birth to Harry when the, oh yeah, she hadn't because the prophecy says will be born when mm -hmm. the seventh month dies, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And he was nearly a year old, or it was it was October of the following year. Right, it was right? October 82. It's Halloween, so it was at least 15 months, I think, between. Right. Um, my major issue with this, and I read it very carefully today, um, because I knew we'd be talking about it, mm -hmm. is that when Trelawney's telling her tale, she says, I remember I was starting to feel a little odd. I had not eaten that much that day, but then... We were rudely interrupted by Severus Snape. And here's the thing. If she was in the middle of the prophecy when Snape burst into the room, she wouldn't remember that. 
Yeah, that's so, always bothered me too. Right. So she had either this. This is obviously something that Joe messed up or something, but she had either done the entire prophecy or none at all. If she yes. remembered being interrupted by Snape, so you it, have it, to you have to lean towards the whole thing. But there must have been a scuffle in the hallway with Aberforth, and that's what stopped Snape from hearing the entire prophecy. Right, and then when they burst in, and, and it's just Trelawney's recollection that it was Snape who interrupted, but in fact it was Dumbledore, it was the other Dumbledore having apprehended Snape, you know, 20 seconds prior or whatever, Right. then coming through the door. Yeah. Like, I think that's where the middle ground is. But I, I agree, yeah. like, the text makes it seem like Snape would have heard the whole thing, because she cannot have any recollection of the prophecy, and Dumbledore right. wouldn't tell her. Right. Uh, why she's so valuable. No, I, I, for me, the text works fine because the part, of course, where she says, oh, I didn't eat much and I was feeling a little faint is probably the, that's the way, her way of saying that she was doing the prophecy without realizing she was doing it. Um, so I, fi- I figured that Snape's Many Buttons explanation was pretty much like the, the longer version of that. I, I, I assumed because Trelawney sometimes just goes, it will like when we've, as we've seen before, she just goes into a prophecy sometimes in the in mid conversation. She could do that mm-hmm. potentially. So she probably mm-hmm. thought she was still in the middle of a conversation with Dumbledore about her job when, in her mind, Snape interrupted, which, in right. yeah, oh yeah, which wasn't necessarily the case. But this is just always like Snape's many buttons um, explanation is kind of always what I assumed happened because the uh, the i think the proof we have because there were some suggestions i saw in the comments that trelawney was actually stopped and then continued the, a second half of the prophecy it, like had to resume or had to be brought back in yeah here. but i don't think that's very unlikely and two in in order of the phoenix the prophecy's recording of her prophecy the the, the it, it, it's in full like there's no break mm-hmm. in it yeah. Yeah, that's just not how prophecies no. work in the Potter no, universe, no, no. right? Yeah. yeah. If you're lucky to, enough to be tuned in, you can't interrupt no. it or you yeah. lose it. Right. Right. Yeah. right. But um, okay, final comment from last week's uh, chapter has to do with Eileen Prince, and I believe the discussion uh, last week happened on whether or not it was convenient or what the importance of the Eileen Prince reveal is in last week's chapter. Spellifant writes in. To be fair about the Eileen Prince discovery, I think there had to be something in the way of explanation or Snape's moniker wouldn't have made any sense. There would be no reason for him to be called the Haplid Prince without knowing his mother's name. Plus his name, coupled with what we know about his background, sheds more light in his teenage self. He almost does what Voldemort does in renouncing his father by means of a name, only instead of lying about his blood heritage, he chooses to make it a focus. Snape is such a divisive character in so many ways, him being half one thing, half something else, perfectly sums him up for me. He straddles light and dark, plays the double agent. It's such a fitting name for him, but without knowing where it came from, it wouldn't have the same impact. Yeah, totally agree on that. I actually, in the forums, I called Snape the continental divide of morality because he is, <laughs> he's just right in the middle. It's, he, there's no one way or the other with him. That's valid. That's a, that's a good like subtitle for Snape. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, nice. I like that. I like that comment just because I, I noticed last week on the show, there was a lot of brushing off of the Eileen Prince reveal as if like it was really a waste. Okay. But I love the idea that it's 
Madam Pence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that was, was a little the craziest much. thing I've ever. Yeah, ever that heard. has to be one of the craziest yeah. theories I've heard. <laughs> so I mean, but here's the thing: like, it is a little bit out of left field. I, oh, I mean, yeah. Hermione just being like, "Oh, guys, and guess what? Haha, I happen to find this person," and like yeah, she this spells. Is like, I mean, it's a little, it's a little convenient. I get that all- it's important. But it's I, just a little I think, easy. I think coming from Hermione, it works because the narration and the writing does such a good job. It, it, Harry is obsessed with this book, but in a way, Hermione is obsessed with this book, but not for the mm-hmm. same reasons. And well, Ron has that line that's like she's still yeah. not over the fact that you get better potion scores, and I think that serves to underscore Hermione's whole interest in this thing, which is that she has that grudge and it just shows that each of these characters like even the trio are focused on totally different things at the same time like they're still friends they're still hanging out but they each have their own like directives like hermione doesn't care at all about the draco malfoy Mm -hmm. thing um but she is you know she does care about the half-blood prince thing and then ron there is like a different mixture of of caring about each of those things and so I don't know. It, it made sense to me, but I I agree that it's kind of like the Nicholas Flamel, like I I I was looking in the wrong section, you know, this whole time. Like it, the fact that the answer is there, that somehow I, I forget how exactly she comes across the connection to Snape that it is his mother. Um, but again, it's like in a book or something like that, or a well, newspaper. Well, and I think the Nicholas Flamel thing works well because it's set up in Sorcerer's Stone because Harry reads his name mm-hmm. on the wizard card. But I can see why, you know, people have a problem with the Eileen Prince thing. But I think that goes back to what we've talked about before with Half-Blood Prince, which is that there is no mystery. And, like, it's all laid out right in front of you. And this this mystery is not constructed the same way. Really, the mystery of who the Half-Blood Prince is is kind of the more... Uh, the 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 mystery that needs more clues to it and the one that's solved at the end because the mystery of Malfoy is not a mystery um right we all know he's a yeah something. so I think this is like this is kind of like the Nicholas Flamel is I'm glad you brought that up Eric because that's kind of like the same thing where it's like this is the thing that wraps it all up it's not this it's 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 a MacGuffin it's not really that important in the grander scheme but it's something that's f- satisfying for the reader to know to wrap up that little mystery in the background it's just it, it is funny though that uh just, just to end our conversation it is funny that um hermione goes off in search of old potions awards um because that that would also if she if she is to be excess uh if she is to be successful it would mean that snape too inherited his potions a uh, skill from his mom the same way that slughorn says harry does that makes oh, me wonder, cute. sorry, um, I just was going to say, it makes me wonder how far back Hogwarts records go. Like, we always learn about there's these ancient records that they have to, you know, find. And how yes. far back do you think they're going? I mean, clearly <laughs> I'm far. There I'm sad there isn't a year on the Eileen uh, Prince. I keep wanting to say Emmeline Prince, but no, it's Emmeline Vance. Eileen. Hmm. Prince, uh, why there's no date on the Gobstones Club thing? Because that would because nobody cares about Gobstones. Uh, <laughs> Gobstones is the loser true. sport of the Wizarding world. I'd play. I'm not I mean, saying Hermione, I wouldn't play Hermione it. Was going, <laughs> Hermione was going back at least like uh, what forty years or 50, maybe sixty at mm-hmm. the most for if it was Snape's bum and yeah. Anyway, it'd be um, like yeah, it'd be like sixty or seventy. 
like that's the first student she found ever named Prince because she went back, you know, per year. Did she just pick a decade? How'd she find that? Unanswered questions. Who knows? It's Hermione. <laughs> yep. So I guess speaking of Hermione and potions and all that jazz, we'll move on to the podcast question of the week responses from last week. Woo! Woo! And uh, was that yeah, Eric? Yeah, that was Eric, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. oh my god no i didn't confuse you I'm just she will never admit it she never gets this confused no i just wanted to be sure that it was eric anyway to just remind everybody of last week's question it is or was it was hermione suggests that harry take the felix felicius himself as he prepares to set off with dumbledore but harry leaves it with his friends for their safety but what if Harry had in fact taken the Felix Felicis? How would he, how, how would that have possibly changed the outcome with Harry and Dumbledore with the Felix Felicis and Hermione, Ron, Ginny, and the others at Hogwarts without it? So lots of comments as usual. Um, it seemed that a lot of people tended to focus more on the Dumbledore and Harry situation. Um, oh, that's where it's at. Yeah, well, I mean, the general consensus was that if everybody at Hogwarts didn't have it, they're dead. So, um, <laughs> And that can't happen on the sixth book because they still have to fight in the war. Right, exactly. So um, valid point, valid point. Um, and we'll get to another valid point here. First one is from, how am I going to translate this? It says, imagine Harry getting back to Dumbledore, carrying his invisibility cloak and a huge Felix Felicis grin. Wouldn't Dumbledore <laughs> tell him, Go back, Harry. You're drunk. <laughs> Before they leave, Dumbledore emphasizes that Harry must obey every order instantly. It would be difficult to do so if Harry had this little something in his head that gives him nudges about what to do or what to say. Harry would have more trouble following Dumbledore's orders, and we see what happens when he does something that he was told not to do. Touch the water in the cave. They are dealing with magic that is far advanced and complex and designed to ward off anyone who is not extremely skilled, careful, and imaginative. It's not a matter of luck that they get to the basin and back out again. It's Dumbledore's nerve and experience and Harry's hero privilege that protect them. I like that because it suggests that Felix Felicis doesn't necessarily always do what's best in the in the situation as a whole, but it's it's kind of pulling out your individual like best qualities and Harry's individual best qualities. Mm -hmm. I'm going to save everybody and I'm going to do something about it right now. And Dumbledore's like, no, don't go in the water. And he's like, I'm going to swim to the Horcrux right now through this <laughs> lake of dead bodies. I can do it. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I like that. It, it, I think that's definitely a good point. That maybe maybe <laughs> that, that Felix Felicis might think it's the right thing to do for Harry, but it may not be the right thing mm -hmm. to do in the situation. That's so funny, the, the swimming. <laughs> I, can, I can just, you know... I'm picturing Dan in the movie when he was on Felix and the swimming. Oh, I don't know. It just totally works for me. Yeah. Totally Got works. this. <laughs> don't worry about it, Dumbledore. I'll be back. You just wait here, Dumbledore. <laughs> well, right? there's there's another. I got I, it. I, I, thinking, having read, you know, kind of really close examine the chapter, I, I even wonder, and I don't know if any of the other comments suggested it, Hermione says that Felix Felicis can only take you so far. I, wa I wonder if Felix yes. Felicis has a bad reaction with dark magic. Or if it's just disabled Ooh. against dark magic. Yeah, I wonder. So, yeah. I don't know if Felix Felicity is really... Or Felix Felicity <laughs> is... Um, like, uh, it seems to be an independent form of magic. Doesn't 
doesn't seem like anything else affects it other than another lucky potion. Yeah, well, hard, it's hard it, it is interesting about Felix, and I, I really go back to all the great discussion we had on that chapter when he was taking it, because for the longest time I always felt, oh yeah, like in retrospect, it seemed to me like it would just be, seem to work like a potion that was only a potion, except when you actually read the chapter, it's like, it's actually a voice inside his head that is telling him things he couldn't possibly know. Mm -hmm. um, so there's still, I think, some debate over the sentience of it. We found out last chapter how it's brewed, too. It involves, I think it's like six months, and you have to let it stew. And that, and that just knowing that it has to stew, uh, to me, evokes this idea of it has to, like, bond with the environment somehow, mm. like with the learn si sitting out yeah it's sitting out in the in just a pot somewhere a cauldron and that just makes it like ah it just like makes it one with the world so i i don't know it's it's kind of like a really really interesting substance mm -hmm. and even though as as i think was just mentioned uh, hermione says it has its limits or that it can only enhance what you've already got so like it couldn't help harry see the invisible boat you know, or know what to do on the cave wall any better than he normally would be able to, unlike Dumbledore. Maybe he should have given Dumbledore the Felix Felices. I, I, I don't even know if it would have done anything, because the luckiest thing for Harry is that Dumbledore's with him, because without him, yeah. he never would have gotten anywhere. You're right? It, it's kind of like, oh, well, go on, Harry. <laughs> giving it to Dumbledore, I don't know if that yeah. would do any good, because Dumbledore intends to die. So, right. <laughs> he's he's already got his yeah. plan. He'd be like, this is going exactly as it would have if I hadn't got Felix Felices. <laughs> well, uh, commenter Rock Cakes presents an idea that basically changes the entire series. We love those. <laughs> I, lo yeah, I love so this comment. This one's this one's fun. It's a good one. So let me read it out. It says, if Harry had taken the potion, he and Dumbledore would have gotten away from the cave sooner because Harry, no doubt, would remember how to repel the Inferi with fire. The early arrival of Harry and Dumbledore to Hogwarts could have could have wide-reaching effects. One possibility is that Malfoy may not have been waiting for them at the tower and thus would not be in a position to disarm Dumbledore, who was in possession of the Elder Wand. Perhaps then Snape would have disarmed Dumbledore that night and unknowingly become the master of the Elder Wand. Then, in Deathly Hallows, when Harry disarms Malfoy at Malfoy Manor, the Elder One does not change its loyalty to Harry. Then, in the final battle of Hogwarts, when Voldemort kills Snape, Voldemort truly does become the master of the Elder One and defeats Harry. Dun dun dun! <laughs> oh my god. Dun 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 is actually written out. <laughs> yep. It is. It Rock is. Cakes was really sure of this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's totally, personally, I think it's unplausible. Implausible. Wow. I um, I like the idea that Harry yeah. taking Felix here to help him here would doom him. Like, well, yeah, like because it's a lucky potion and it turns him completely unlucky, basically. Oh man, that works in the way that you'd like wishes go wrong and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That'd be a very good cautionary. T I like that idea. Good, good, good one, Rock Cakes. Yeah. No, nothing else. Okay. <laughs> Well, I, I, I mean, I was just giving everybody a chance very to nice. talk. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so our last comment here comes from, who do you know who's lost a butt? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they get better as time goes on. It's like the potion they somebody's grew when they somebody's, somebody's on that Tonks love right there. <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah. no Skagai. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, like, cool no Skagai. All right, so the comment says, in fact, even running through... Okay, so this is a part of a much longer comment. I should preface that by saying um, mm -hmm. it was like seven paragraphs. Couldn't nice. read it all, so head over there, read it. 
and you'll get, like, you know, anyway, it says, in fact, even running through the castle, Harry is remarkably lucky. So this is talking about, just read the comment, you'll get it. He lands every spell he casts until Snape. Even the impedimenta jinx he casts outside near Hagrid's miraculously finds his mark. The only thing Felix could do would be to help him land spells against Snape. And ask yourself, would that really have been lucky? Harry is in fact extremely lucky, lucky that he does not land any of his spells he casts at Snape. He has the potential to do great damage here, and it is done to luck. Down to, oh my god. And it is down to luck and Snape's skills that he does not succeed. Ultimately, Harry's friends need the luck more than he does. This is the one point of the Felix Felicius potion, one that Rowling tries to illustrate. Luck exists even further. You can make your own luck, literally. But there are limits, and the night Dumbledore dies also proves that luck. Sometimes means not getting what you want right when you want it. Harry is ultimately much more lucky that he does not destroy Dumbledore's best laid plans, that Snape escapes with his cover intact, and that he lives to follow the trail Dumbledore has left for him. Oh. I think uh, I disagree with everything. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Wow. Sorry. Um, Harry's not lucky at, uh, in the next chapter. He's just focused. His anger has focused him. And he's able to do exact... I mean, nothing is in his way. He's. I think he mentions that he sees other people doing other things, but he doesn't. it doesn't even register to him. So he's just focused, and that's why he's able to to get to Snape. And I don't think the, the potion would have helped him... I don't think the potion would have had enough of effect to help him do anything to Snape. Snape's too skillful. I agree with that. I don't know about that, but mm-hmm. I also think, I mean, don't you, wouldn't you say it's lucky that Snape isn't killed by Harry here? Because Snape still had a heck of a lot of good things to do for Harry, um, like placing the sword in the right place, you know, all that stuff in Deathly Hallows. So. I, I, I would bet that Rowling would not consider any of that luck. i I don't think she actually believes in luck, just from what she's said in interviews. I think she would just mm. call it something else, because she certainly believes in that your choices are the most important thing. So I doubt that she would enjoy luck being in play at that particular moment. Yeah, I think that's even why the, you know, she gets, she uses the Felix Felicis plot-wise the way she does. Because as, as I had mentioned before in the previous chapter, I thought it was crazy that she developed Felix Felicis because I was like, you spent so much time figuring out how to get rid of the time turners and then you made this. And, <laughs> and But she does very clearly set up the rules for Felix Felicis and then she gets rid of it. Because um, it might strip people of their agency if, you know, if it, if it, were, if yeah. it worked too yeah, well. It, it, right? Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. like... Harry Harry always had the skills to persuade Slughorn. He just yeah. needed the path to be illuminated a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I I don't know how to explain though. Harry's friends all just all the spells that are thrown at them just miraculously miss. Like whether stormtroopers have invaded Hogwarts or something. Um, how to explain that away with luck? But it is luck. I mean that's how that's more traditional. Like you would say, luck does that. Yeah. You well, know? Can I just? Oh, uh, go on. No, you're fine. You know, can can I can I just say I have kind of like a Trump reaction or Trump response to to this uh, podcast question of the week. See what you guys think about it. it should be good. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Get ready. Expectations are high. <laughs> okay. Eric all right. Stole. All right. All right. So you remember how when Harry did take Felix, um, he had that inkling 
to go not to Professor Slughorn's office. Wait, can I just the- say the way you just phrased that makes it sound like you're t- he's taking Felix out on a date? <laughs> huh. Okay. You know how when he took Felix. He, <laughs> yeah. Because you were like, he, they didn't go to Slughorn's fan office. Fan fiction. You know? They didn't go. Well, <laughs> Slughorn had last been seen, I think, having dinner or something. So they didn't go to the Great Hall. They didn't go to Slughorn's office. The voice in Harry's head, Felix, <laughs> told him to go to Hagrid's. And when asked, he says, I think, I feel like Hagrid's, or was it the vegetable patch? I think it's just, it's, it's the place to be. You know what I mean? Is a movieism. I feel like if. Harry had taken Felix Felicis to go on his trip to Dumbledore before, with Dumbledore, before they apparated, he would have been like, Sir, I think, you know, I have a feeling that number 12 Grimmauld Place is really the place to be tonight. And then they would go to Grimmauld Place where the actual locket was <laughs> and actually kill the Horrocks. <laughs> wow. I wonder if that could work as strongly. Well, and in that, you know, with the previous suggestion too, that Taking the feel from from I believe it was uh yeah how am I going to translate this the the idea that if Harry takes it he might not do the right thing for Dumbledore, um, mm. Harry has an ov- already has an overwhelming urge to stay at Hogwarts, um, because he's worried that Malfoy's plan is going to go into play that night, um, so mm. who knows which directions Harry might have been pulled in depending on what his focus was. Um, because we've seen too that Felix Felicis doesn't necessarily just do things for you because of course Felix is what ostensibly causes Harry or uh, Hermione, no, Ron and Lavender to break up and Ginny and Dean to break up. Mm. Though that both benefits Harry. You You could argue that yes, it does. Like Ron and Lavender is a little bit of a stretch for me, but... Oh, it's just it was annoying. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, that's a minor annoyance. So Felix will take care of that for you too. Yeah. Like I, I, I wondered though, with that, since Harry has so many things he's trying to focus on, how Felix would mm-hmm. solve all of them. Yeah, no, but just the idea uh, not to overshadow or foreshadow this chapter too heavily. And I know this chapter it's it's blessedly left out the fact that this mission is all for naught, but. Um, knowing that the locket exists somewhere else or the Horcrux is not where they go to look for it, um, it just makes me think that if Harry had taken the, the potion, it would have said, eh, maybe you should try Grimald Place before you go to this cave thing. And Dumbledore would have been like, okay. No, you know what? Actually, that's totally valid because Harry, that locket is in Harry's subconscious. That's true. Because they mm-hmm. threw it away the last year. Yeah. So he's seen it. So it's there. Like, the locket's yeah. in his head. Yeah. That's totally and, plausible. And okay. I, uh, I think and they could have found the locket, too, because if Dumbledore was under the assumption that, that, you know, luck guided them to this place, he would be able to search out a really dark object like that. So I, I think yeah, this, is, I mean, Dumb- this is good. Th- this is some flaws because uh, Mundungus has already been pilfering uh, mm-hmm. from, from mm-hmm. Grimmauld Place, although he... I think the locket happens after this chronologically, so it should still be among creatures, things, or something like that. Um, also, Dumbledore's been to the to Grimmel Place before, and to, ad- admittedly, he didn't take place in like the housekeeping, like the cleaning. Um, when they all came across the locket and all took turns trying to open it, I mean, if Dumbledore had been there, he would have said, "Oh, this this has some signature on it that 
is like you know known mm-hmm. magic is on this thing and he would have recognized it instantly mm-hmm. the fact that he was in the same house the same domicile as the locket before when it was actually the locket and didn't notice it is is again i don't know if it's an oversight because it was you know a couple floors above maybe um but it's uncomfortable it's one of those uncomfortable closenesses um but yeah i like to think that if harry took felix he'd go to grandma place and prevent all of this crap from happening i'm on your side now i think that's totally plausible yeah i think it might i think mundagas had already taken it though i think we're meant to believe that when you Mm reread the book that when uh, harry finds him outside hogsmeade that that's when he's stolen everything oh i yeah i thought he kept going back but he probably did i can understand that being explained away um in that way so yeah and now, we are going to head into... Chapter 26. Axio Horcrux. The Cave. All too soon, the time has come to pursue that flighty temptress adventure. In search of another fragment of Voldemort's soul, Harry and Dumbledore apparate to the cliffside where, in his youth... Voldemort terrorized his fellow orphans. There they discover a cave filled with some of the darkest magic Harry has ever encountered, a blood sacrifice required for entry, a concealed boat meant only for one, protecting the Horcrux locket, a potion to make the drinker go mad, an invisible barrier on all useful charms, all leading up to an encounter with Voldemort's army of the undead Inferi, bodies of his previous victims rising up from the surrounding waters, In a blaze of enchanted fire, Harry and Dumbledore just managed to escape with the Horcrux and their lives. But with Dumbledore's health quickly deteriorating, will all of their efforts have been in vain? Yes, they will have. So, (laughs) the answer to that question is yes. (laughs) That answers that question. Spoiler alert! So, the first point I want to talk about, before we get into the really meaty stuff, which is more character business and certain objects... Uh, I want to talk about the uh, the dark magic and the deep magic of this cave. But as we get into this cave, I see Connor has a bit of a point to discuss. Well, you can't not talk about this if you're going to read this chapter. I mean, Dumbledore is using a breaststroke and he has buckled shoes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the guy is just all time. He's awesome. And- I, I failed this. Oh, okay. He's awesome. Okay. The, the the thing that I thought about in this moment is that Harry would drown because he has had no physical education whatsoever. I thought the same ever. thing. <laughs> ever. Like the Dursleys didn't teach him how to swim. Harry yeah. would be dead. Oh, there's a comment like that in this chapter in the beginning when they get to, before they're in the antechamber. They're like in the water and Harry says he like looks at the small dark where the water goes in the, to the fissure. Mm-hmm. And he says he notices that during high tide, that area would have been, would clearly be flooded. And I'm thinking, what do you know about tide? <laughs> right, You've exactly. never been to the beach. Exactly. Like, well, you've never gone to the shore and, like, taken a lesson on surfing. You, you don't know about tide. Right. Like, there is a little bit of a suspension for disbelief on this whole swimming thing. I think I'm with you there. Yeah, it's just well, so funny. I, I don't know. 
But Dumbledore's breaststroke is 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 described as being perfect. Yeah. Of course. I mean, it's now Dumbledore. that's coming from Harry, but who also probably doesn't. I mean, oh you know, right, does he know sure. how to swim? But still, it's it's pretty cool. You're right. Wait, Connor. wait. Does that mean that Joe has a perfect breaststroke? Because you know how she says she is Dumbledore. <laughs> tweet, I don't know. Tweet her. That. <laughs> <laughs> I think she also has buckled shoes, though. You know what? She She'd probably, probably answer that one she if she answered has any a question. Do It'd you? be that one. Hashtag swimming <laughs> <laughs> can Hashtag i do that right also now also buckled shoes Wait, i'm gonna do that right now that's amazing i totally am i i brought up the buckled shoes thing because i don't have a good picture of what dumbledore really should look like because the movies that's not what he looks like and that's not how joe describes him do you guys have an image him because every time she describes something he's wearing i'm like really he's been wearing that the yeah, whole time i i like um Mary Grand Prix's artwork on Dumbledore. That's pretty close to what I picture, except like with a hat, because she usually doesn't draw him with a hat. But I think yeah. that's that's pretty oh, close yeah. to how is it? The drawing on the um on the back of the later Philosopher's Stone covers from the UK from the children's editions is pretty good too. Anybody else? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm tweeting still. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. All right. <laughs> I guess I guess that's it for Dumbledore's looks. Um, and we'll talk more about Dumbledore later because actually, Connor, that's a great comment. You know, the the breaststroke thing actually gets into another point that I do want to talk about with Dumbledore later. Um, and I can't wait to hear where. Oh, I will. Oh, out. you'll see. <laughs> and, <laughs> Michael is the the queen. I'm of, the queen. Uh, so but and and listeners you're gonna note a lot probably in this chapter discussion that i have pulled a lot of quotes not only because i think they are very useful in terms of this discussion but also because this is a chapter very worth much worth reading aloud and i was like oh i want to read some of this aloud because it's good um but i wanted to read uh, as far as the dark magic and the deep magic going on in this cave i wanted to read these these two quotes here from this chapter the first one is Dumbledore um, and uh, uh, discovering that the, this is the right place to go in. And he says, yes, this is the place, said Dumbledore. How can you tell? Harry spoke in a whisper. It has known magic, said Dumbledore simply. The other quote is, Harry did not ask how Dumbledore knew. He had never seen a wizard work things out like this, simply by looking and touching but Harry had long since learned that bangs and smoke were more often the marks of ineptitude than experience. And I wanted to just kind of touch a little bit on a discussion maybe about just more deep magic in general, because as I was reading this, I was kind of thinking, one, that this is a great setup for some of the things we're about to encounter in Deathly Hallows, but two, why don't they teach, like, any of this at Hogwarts? Like, this seems like actual practical stuff for the magical world. You know, I I had a question about that, too. Like, it just doesn't... When yeah. did Dumbledore learn this? You know, there's a hundred there's a hundred questions, because there's not... There doesn't appear to be, like, a, a post-secondary school in the wizard <laughs> world. Which is insane! Why aren't there universities? Like, you just Seriously. assume that there... You assume that there are yeah. that haven't been mentioned. No, I, you know I think like? it's all apprentice, apprenticeships. It's gotta be, because she... I think she specifically said there is no post-school at all right but like, like healers and stuff come on well, d- they- yeah during during this chapter i'm thinking how would an auror 
like anyone from the aura that, that's you know, apprentice too she she actually points that out the aura and healer that she does say that they learn through apprenticeships okay but i but my question during reading the chapter was how an aura handle this cave like even if they were alongside dumbledore and harry wasn't how would they deal with like what what is their level of magic because harry clearly doesn't harry doesn't Harry thinks that maybe a tingling on his arm indicates that he has some sort of sensitivity to the magic. Dumbledore is able to catch a, a boat chain that's invisible. Well, uh, and and it's and it specifically says that Dumbledore like says something seemingly in another language. Right, and he's kind of it's it goes back to what Snape did to cure Sectum Semper to, to heal Draco was he was like. Um, not chanting, but kind of singing almost. It you was, know, was... it's probably just Latin. We know they don't know Latin, so it probably sounds foreign to them, and it's well, just Latin. That, that's kind of my um, whole take on the recent news that Joe was talking about, the, the Native American influence on uh, mm-hmm. on the school in America, um, is because I was thinking, well, maybe they'd get into like more chanting or, I don't know, some kind of just the, that musical, like pulling things out of the air kind of thing type of magic. But if Dumbledore knows, it means he certainly didn't school in America, well, so... I think it, it just must be self-taught. That's the only way you would learn it. Because it seems like Dumbledore and Voldemort and maybe Snape are probably the only three people in the world who know about this. Well, yeah, and it's suggested definitely in Deathly Hallows that Dumbledore learns of these kinds of things on his world travels that he takes um, post-Hogwarts. Mm. But So maybe it's just that they don't have a, a way to consolidate the knowledge. They Although have they Hogwarts! Have books, <laughs> massive, massive libraries. <laughs> They have massive. They have massive like libraries. Well, this goes back to when we books. were talking about when they were taking um, their, uh, you know, their their tests, their owls, and kind of conversations we had had. Uh, I I actually was listening to the show. You know, the, the, I think during their owls um, testing, and I remember we were talking about there was like a charms class where Flitwick is teaching them how to put legs on teacups and we were actually going why is he teaching them to put legs on teacups in their fifth year and like this Mm. magic seems to be like this seems to be what the level of magic should be at least starting to get to by your fifth and sixth year well it's yeah look at maths class for instance like by the time you take uh trigonometry or uh calculus you're like you know, as an 18-year-old, I, I was going into um, calculus, and I was thinking, why in my in the in the life would I ever need to figure out the area under a curve? <laughs> like, why the hell would unless right. I'm a carpenter creating a round table? How would I ever need to develop? And that's how advanced it was. It was it was so advanced mathematics that it was intimidating. Uh, but I was being exposed to it, and at the age of 18, and so you got to think that seventh years at least surely would have the, uh, a similar level of like where it's so advanced it's scary of magic but as of i mean i know harry skips his seventh year but he's still going out into battle with uh with expe- expelliarmus and and furthermore in this chapter to bring it all back he's using petrificus totalis yeah. on the inferi and there yeah. that's a first year spell that is a first-year spell. He's going into this cave. Dumbledore's pulling a rope out of the thin air that doesn't exist, a chain, and sailing a boat across the lake where there's no, like, uh, unbelievable. And, and Harry's throwing first-year charms at these inferior. There's such a drastic difference. No, it, it, it still people. kills me that um, that the deepest, probably, 
like most complicated spell Harry knows is Expecto Patronum, which is my favorite spell in the series. And that, I you know, looking through researching the sources, the Rowling has kind of, I think, tried to make clear that Expecto Patronum is almost exclusively for communicating with other people and getting rid of Dementors. But it apparently, she has not explained whether it has an effect on anything else. Um, because I thought, well, Expecto Patronum, if it could hit Inferi, would be awfully useful in this situation. But I, mm. yeah, like you said, Eric, it's, I mean, Harry even uses, it's, he doesn't even think it's like Sectum Sempra. These things don't have blood. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice to see that the clothes start ripping. I mean, he's just really causing them all that bad fashion. That's, yeah, that's the, um, the worst of it. But yeah, it's, it's just very in just curious to me that you know that we get these really deep i because i love i don't know about you guys but i love this kind of version of magic even just a tad bit more Mm -hmm. and it's in a way too i guess my you know the other reason i have a questions about this kind of magic is because it doesn't really seem to build off of what they learn at hogwarts at all because it's nonverbal and it's a very a very traditional sense of magic. It goes back to when we were in Goblet of Fire and Voldemort was re- resurrected from the cauldron. And Wormtail wasn't chanting Latin. He was using kind of a poet, uh, like a poetry spell um, that was in English. Mm. Like a can incantation, more like. And that's not what is taught at Hogwarts at all. So... It's yeah. just so advanced. And and part of this, too, leads into, you know, reading this chapter. This chapter's really where my... Uh, it's been building up for some time, but, like, why I dislike Book 7 as a finale. Um, that none of the other Horcruxes, seeing just how well protected this was, um, with magic that Harry's never seen, like, I would have really liked to have seen four more mm. locations like this. Now, there's some flaws in that comment because Gringotts is pretty safe like it's a pretty cool place to try and break into the ministry where the lo- real locket is is also at that time like the, it's the hub of the center of a corrupt government so that's also pretty cool but there's still nothing along the lines of you know and the snake is kept alongside Voldemort at all times which is also a pretty scary place to be if you're trying to kill a horcrux and then there's the room requirement but nothing there's nothing like the cave there's nothing that Harry is way out of his depth. Like the bar is set <laughs> so high because of this this cave chapter, um, that he needs another Dumbledore. Pretty much, he sh- he should need another Dumbledore to guide him through each of the other places. Is the cave um, is the cave the first thing that Voldemort goes to check when he finds out that Harry's killing his Horcruxes? I think that's the one he f- thinks is most um. vulnerable. Or does he go to the the Riddle House? I think he goes to the Riddle House, but then, but then there's also some idea there of it having been protected with some of these similar types of charms because Dumbledore breaks through them. It's just it seems odd to me that this wouldn't be the last place he goes to because it's clearly the one he put the most effort to protecting. It is the most formidable, yeah. And can you imagine him like hoarding our like herding all of the uh, inferi into here? Like, did he just massively kill a whole village, or did he kill people yep. and one by one drop their bodies? I think here? he killed like, one by one. I think he killed one by one. And just like no, I think he vanished here. from there. Like, like he doesn't have yeah. to remember they're wizards. He doesn't Gross. have to physically take them. <laughs> Pick this one up. Here right. we go. <laughs> you know what gets me is that uh, yeah. Regulus isn't that is in creepy? There. Isn't that a horrible thought? Yeah, it's super creepy. I had never and thought also, of that I think. Uh, 
<laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know, Wait, yeah. Regulus is Yeah, no. Regulus surely yeah. not. Of course dead. he is. Yeah, he cause... died on the island. Wait, and he wrote that he wrote that note on the while on the perch on the pedestal. He probably like, wrote before... it before he left. Yeah. Because he had the locket in his possession before he went to the island. I, he wouldn't be an inferior of... though. That takes a spell. So that's that's okay. <laughs> So he's just down there decomposing. Unless Voldemort oh, stopped in and was yeah, like, "Ooh, a new gross. one." <laughs> you don't think creature would have no, his body? No, he told him not to come yeah. back. Yeah, no. sucks, right? No, <laughs> when you he said Eric that like, that Regulus would have been writing the note, that made me think of that scene in Monty Python where they're in the the cave and they they find the castle. Ah. He's like, oh, he must have died while carving it. <laughs> oh yes, that's awesome. But yeah. but Connor, I I see you had a a, a, a a point about a particular piece of magic. Um, oh yeah, the um, the archway is um, that in the antechamber is lit up once Dumbledore puts blood on the on the stone. That seems really similar to Lord of the Rings. Did anyone else think that? Well, it doesn't no, it does. say lit up, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does, it's, right? It's lit. Like, it's okay. glowing. It's yeah. Glowing. Yes. Yeah, I mean... Are you sure? Yeah. I think it I think it glows temporarily and then fades immediately, but then Harry's yeah. like, hey, whoa, oh, whoa, <laughs> something something yep. happened there. I, I saw something. And then it then it um, goes into full blast once he puts the blood on, I think, that's, like, fully lit up. Oh, yeah, there was a... Uh, yeah, it outlined blazing white as though there was a powerful light behind the crack. Fine. I mean, that just sounds like Minds of Moria, exactly. The... <laughs> It does. No, I mean, you're right. Is, are we thinking that's like an homage? Because this seems pretty blatant. I... Go ahead, Kat. Well, how else are you going to show an opening in the rock? Well, the rock could just open. Yeah. You don't need light. Right, but you need the blood. So there's got, I mean, that's I th- the only well, way. I think, you know, there's been a lot of discussion in, you know, amongst scholars even of how much rolling borrowed from lord of the rings as well as other sources and i think in this particular case these kinds of things are like she is some people have said that she was actually carrying around a copy of the hobbit with her at times um i don't know if i believe that i don't know if that's true or not she's been very tight-lipped about when people try to talk about lord of the rings with her i think she's flat out yes she has and i I don't know. Like, I think it's just inevitable because Lord of the Rings, for its time, I mean, while it may not have gained the immediate popularity like Harry Potter did, because the, you know the the social climate was different and advertising was different back then, but Lord of the Rings set the, a similar standard for the fantasy genre, and there's a lot of things that are tropes in Lord of the Rings that you kind of in ways can't avoid but what's interesting about that and we'll get to, again we'll get to that um with Voldemort in a few minutes here is that Dumbledore actually almost practically says god what a cliche <laughs> like <laughs> essentially so that does it, she does kind of try to turn it on its head and give it some meaning of why it's almost like oh this is so typical um so that so that does come up, I think, narratively. She, but but I don't know if she meant it as a direct homage or not, um, considering that she tries not to do mm. that. Right. I can't think of another instance where she has. But, so. And then, of course, listeners, I was going to talk about the Inferi a little bit, but 
Believe it or not, Pottermore won't open right now. It has crashed for some reason, or it's under maintenance. But I can't get to it. But I highly suggest... Uh, we've talked about it before on the show, and I believe we read the excerpt on the show before. So, listeners, uh, make sure and go to the Pottermore website once it's updated or once it's done being crashed. Um, you can go relive the good old days when it first opened. Um, but uh, make sure and check out the reading on Inferi. It's very interesting reading, actually, and it, it explains a lot to the big question of why Inferi are not zombies and why that's different in Joe's world. There's She has some very good reasoning behind that. Oh, darn. And here I was thinking of the Mudblood song, Zombies. <laughs> um, do you know it? Do you know Wizard Rock? No, I, know I didn't know this. It's an, it's, an, it's an awesome song. You must listen to it. It's on YouTube. Check it out. The Mud band Bloods. is the Mudbloods, and their song is Zombies, oh. with an exclamation. Oh, no. Oh no, it's not canon. listeners at home. <laughs> but <laughs> it's it, yeah, now thanks to Pottermore it's not. Yeah. And thanks Pottermore. Yes, but I do also have an audio boom um that actually has a great question about some of the magic in this cave uh, specifically about summoning the Horcrux. So let's take a listen to that. Hi, this is Christina. I snot my some forms. In my latest reading of Half-Blood Prince, I got to wondering if the whole Dumbledore drinking the potion and thus weakening himself thing could have been avoided with a preferably chosen spell. When Harry and Dumbledore get to the cave, Harry asks Dumbledore if they could try summoning the Horcrux. Harry uses Astio Horcrux, but as we now know, what is in that basin is not actually a Horcrux. Had they known specifically what Horcrux was in that cave and used Astio Locket instead of Astio Horcrux, would it have zoomed out of the basin to awaiting Harry and Dumbledore? Uh, just quite uh, something that I thought of, and I wanted to hear your thoughts. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Wow, be, be yeah, tell us how you really feel. Now. Yeah, no, I, I think that. <laughs> well, I think Voldemort would have, uh, you know, stopped that. He well, yeah. I I. The only time this, yeah, the only time that blunt approach works is with Hermione and the Horcrux. Books, oh, with, right? with the book. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the books. Um, and... Yeah. At the end of this, at the end of this calendar year, yeah. or not calendar year, Axio at the end of the books. school year. Oh my god, it worked! Um, but uh, you know, I was wa- I was wondering uh, that thing that does jump when Harry casts that spell is <laughs> like it's ju- it's just one and not all of the inferies. So was that inferi just like poised to jump, or was his name similar to Horcrux? <laughs> is it like Horus? <laughs> Ho- Horus the inferi? Accio Hor? Oh wait, never mind. And he like Horus is like, all right, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna be summoned. It's this my moment. <laughs> it's my moment to shine. It wasn't even in fear. It was a dolphin that just um. wandered in there. <laughs> yeah, it's the rogue dolphin who happened. Which to dolphin touched rogue. <laughs> no, I, I I think it's implied actually that m- that's like multiple in jumping out at once to give you a spook. You know, it's it's um it's very clear if you read that uh, Dumbledore knows totally that there's Inferior down there before the boat, yeah. like even before the boat. Well, he said um, he knows that there's something. He uses the plural. He like, knows. To, he already knows. Like, he woman. knows to use fire later. I mean, he knows they're yeah, Inferior somehow. He knows, he knows, he knows. Yeah. Well, I, that was a generalization, too, where he's like, well, it's cold and wet and dark. They probably need warm <laughs> light. But as, yeah, as far true. as the... Uh, the audio boom goes, I, I would be inclined to agree with no, just because, like, I think Voldemort would be anticipating an issue of semantics <laughs> as far as. 
just knowing that the let's let's talk immediately about the what's immediately surrounding the locket. Let's not talk about the fact that it's on the middle of a pedestal in the middle of a lake filled with inferior. That potion that can't be touched or you know basically siphoned off in any way other than by drinking it. Like that alone would have prevented, I think, the locket from being removed from it. Yeah, there's yeah, a barrier. You can't even touch yeah, around it. it, like a little bubble. Yeah, so it wouldn't. I think that barrier is is probably, probably strong enough to prevent yeah, some John. Well, and well, we've I mean, seen too that because they <laughs> they try that again with some of the other Horcruxes in Deathly Hallows, and it doesn't work. So, yeah, it's just you can't just axio a soul. If you could axio a soul, you could be just ripping people's souls out just as you walk down the street. So, <laughs> fatality. Right, yeah. because that's true. Because I mean, in essence, it's 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 no mm-hmm. longer. It's not. Yeah, it, technically speaking, this shouldn't really be something you can summon because it's it's not phys- Yeah, it's not physical. It's not physical. So, and even by putting it in a lo- in a locket or a cup or whatever, it's still not physical. So, yeah, that makes that makes yeah. sense. I do like that Vol- that Dumbledore gave Harry a shot at it though, because he was like, "Let's see what happens." <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to show you how stupid you are. (laughs) No, I don't think that's why he did it. I think he did it to make Harry feel important. Well, I think Dumbledore is also very aware, having seen Harry perform a fantastic Axio charm in Goblet of Fire, I think he knows that Axio is a good charm that he can do really well. So... Yeah. yeah. What is it? That's actually a fortune. <laughs> I think he. I think he. I think he actually genuinely thinks it's a good idea. I mean, he says that uh, all uh, the best to find out what we're dealing with. I think you just cut to the chase. Yeah. Let's find out what's going on. Yeah, he does. He does compliment Harry, and it's it's pretty believable that he actually and was impressed. Speaking by of him. that Horcrux um, in there, uh, there's Dumbledore has a little thing to say about uh, uh, about uh, as they sail across the lake. And he says, I think we can resign ourselves to the fact that they, of course meaning the Inferi, will at some point realize we are not Lord Voldemort. Thus far, however, we have done well. They have allowed us to raise the boat. And it got me thinking, is Voldemort maybe actually in some way present here? Because we know that that Horcrux is not a Horcrux anymore. It's just a locket, sadly. Tear. But is the Horcrux within Harry having any effect on this journey? Is it perhaps keeping Harry and Dumbledore safe? Because it is a part of Voldemort, and maybe the Inferior I see that? Or is it putting them in additional danger in some way? Yeah, the big questions. <laughs> I don't think I don't think the part the soul in Harry really has much feeling at all anymore, because it was never intended to, to be there. To, uh, break yeah. away, yeah. I don't know how much effect it really does have, even though on the forums I've talked about how it's <laughs> doubting. Well, yeah, there's does. people out there who have the strong theory that the Dursleys are the way they are because Harry is a Horcrux. So, <laughs> and it's just their oh, time being, around, yes. being spent around a Horcrux. That's crazy. But Harry, okay, but Joe has said that Harry's not a true Horcrux. Right. And she only used that term because there was, what else are you going to call it? So all those theories are, pfft, sorry. Well, at, at any rate, um, is Voldemort, you know, in some form or another in that cave? Uh, I have to say no, because, you know, he doesn't realize that 
he hasn't been there since Regulus has taken his Horcrux. Otherwise, he wouldn't right. made another one. Uh, so he has to be far away from that cave, both in body and spirit. And also, I have a feeling that whatever he put, whatever protections are on the cave, like Dumbledore says, are about mm-hmm. the level of magic. And Dumbledore obviously has a lot of magic. So if the person entering maybe had lesser than Dumbledore, I mean, then... Voldemort, what am I trying to say? That the inferior just like looking for a level of magic. I think it's possible too that Voldemort wanted whoever found the cave to get to that island to suffer horribly. I think he wouldn't want the inferior to to attack them before they had a chance to get that island. That's the question too that I have from reading this chapter is uh, would the inferior ever would would they have ever stopped their attack? I mean, Harry was being basically dragged under. In the movie, it's even worse, where he nearly drowns. Um, but there's that saying, of, or Dumbledore says about Voldemort, that he'd want to meet the person who got this far. So at what point do one of these inferior, like, <laughs> call Voldemort? Well, like, what, you know, what, 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 by what means is Voldemort then notified that there's been a break-in? Why wasn't that alarm triggered now? Because if, if Voldemort is designing this so that say somebody does penetrate the defenses he wants to meet them and like just subdue them a little bit for to give himself time to get there what mechanism didn't go off that would have alerted him well and as far as we know there isn't one because as we'll see in deathly hallows uh regulus black is a victim of this and as far as we know voldemort never talks to him he's just dragged under and that's the end of it yeah, so this idea that Dumbledore, Dumbledore specifically says Voldemort wouldn't want to kill Plus, whoever got to start. I, I don't remember reading that. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that. he That's does. Weird. Well, and plus, the the book makes clear that the movie has muddled up in everybody's minds because it had to f- do this to fix the plot in the movies. Voldemort cannot sense when a Horcrux is destroyed. It is, it is completely separated yes, from true. his body, and he has no kind of tingling when a piece of his soul is is destroyed but yeah that what right. dumbledore says about uh voldemort not wanting to kill whoever drinks that potion is the number one reason harry agrees mm-hmm. to feed dumbledore the potion um even when times get rough maybe maybe dumbledore was lying that's my that's my thought maybe is that dumbledore was lying even even when he's on the ninth or tenth goblet out of twelve um, Harry's keeps powering through and it's because he's been told that it won't kill Dumbledore. And I think that's why, see, Dumbledore has laid all of the little things down for Harry to get mm-hmm. out of there on his own. Really? The boat's there. He tells him about the fire and he knows that he has to have blood to get out the door. Harry knows how to apparate. Harry could yep. have left that's on his very own. very true. Huh. Uh, a, yeah, if, if only he had remembered the fire. Yeah. But he he does, the fire. does he even know a spell to make fire? Have we ever uh, seen him do that? I believe the spell to make fire is Incendio. And I has yeah. he done that before? I don't know if he. Well, Hermione has in in book one. Hermione had yeah. The there's blue a similar flames. well, and I don't know if, who knows if the blue. Well, I guess the blue flames would work because they're not hot, but they're at least light. It it seems like common. It seems like one of those first year spells. You know, Dumbledore is confident that Harry knows, it, and Harry's like, "Oh yeah, right, fire, of course, duh." So that I uh, actually had a point on that. I. There's a line in in the text that says, age is foolish and forgetful when it underestimates youth. And I was thinking, can the same be said for overestimating youth? Because the whole chapter, 
Dumbledore is way overestimating Harry. Like, he forgets that Harry can't even dry himself. He has to put a spell on for that. He forgets that Harry's even there. Harry little, literally walks into Okay. Um, so... He doesn't, he doesn't fully explain the danger to Harry. He doesn't tell them that it's in Fury down there and exactly what to do. He just says, fire. I mean, that's not that's not enough of an answer. Let's talk about this a little bit. We'll 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 get to Vold- We'll get back to Voldemort. He's he's around. So let's. So there. So Connor, you touched on a few quotes, and I'm actually going to read a few of them in full because I th- I do think they're important to the this 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 discussion. And the first one is that one where Harry is freezing, and as Dumbledore has just opened the door, and he says, "You've t- done it," said Harry through chattering teeth. But before the words had left his lips. The outline had gone, leaving the rock as bare and solid as ever. Dumbledore looked around. Harry, I'm so sorry I forgot, he said. He now pointed his wand at Harry, and at once Harry's clothes were as warm and dry as if they had been hanging in front of a blazing fire. Another quote, further down. And this is, again, Connor, you mentioned this, where Harry and Dumbledore are walking and Dumbledore stops. Dumbledore says, aha, said Dumbledore, and he stopped again. This time Harry really did walk into him. For a moment, he toppled on the edge of the dark water and Dumbledore's uninjured hand closed tightly around his upper arm, pulling him back. So sorry, Harry, I should have given a warning. (laughs) (laughs) Bet his wand could make that noise. Blinkers, like, what's he gonna do? And then, uh, yet again, another... This is is probably the... um, One of my favorite moments from this chapter, and it's... I actually have to say that this transaction to me has always been kind of a lot of people cite the always moment from Deathly Hallows as like the big one to like tattoo mm. on yourself. But this quote, oh my gosh, th- <laughs> like this hits me more than that one does. And it says, Harry helped Dumbledore back into the icy sea water that filled the crevice in the cliff. It's going to be all right, sir. Harry said over and over again more worried by Dumbledore's silence than he had been by his weakened voice. We're nearly there. I can apparate us both back. Don't worry. I am not worried, Harry, said Dumbledore, his voice a little stronger despite the freezing water. I am with you. And, um, yes, it's, it's beautiful. Quote. And But what's interesting, what I wanted to point out with those two quotes, as you were saying, Connor, about, you know, Dumbledore perhaps overestimating Harry... I kind of wanted to talk about the relationship between Dumbledore and Harry because what what I, the reason I read those first two quotes in juxtaposition to this last one is Dumbledore a few times here almost seems to forget that Harry's there and is very negligent of him. It's it's just that he's in a I don't say a trance but like dealing with that type of magic that it gets. It's see, like I, not I, I I I could magic. see that, but at the same time, Dumbledore deals with this ostensibly all the time he certainly has been all year and what i think is interesting just about these is that the way it's written to me they these two passages those first two always surprised me because dumbledore it's it's the way dumbledore treats harry there's just something a little off to me about it but in a way I I don't know. I mean, it's it's a mystery, right? He didn't know what he was going to find in this cave. Every time that Dumbledore figures out, oh, there's a boat here, or oh, it has to be drunk, you know, regarding the potion, he is pleased and surprised, and he makes a little oh-ho or aha sound. Um, he's figuring this out right there with Harry. It's just that 
the mystery it really literally could be anything when you're dealing with wizards wizards of this caliber and it takes concentration to be able to discern what's going on i mean he has that line perhaps you could help me find this uh Michael, but he says like when he's talking about the potion, and he says it has to be drunk. He, he says it cannot yeah, be uh, vanished or transferred or transfigured. Or they were there like ten seconds, and he's already gone through the list of like fifteen mm-hmm. things that you can't do to this potion. Um, and like that's because he's tried every single one of those things or figured out a way to learn that about it without trying. Mm-hmm. Like he's doing work. Like, and Harry's just along for the ride. Well, I guess I just found it interesting because it's not really how we've seen Dumbledore interact with Harry before. Well, um, I think if we bring in ring theory here, this actually could explain a lot. Um, So the the ring in this book, within this book, uh, the chapter that's the ring is Horace Mm -hmm. Slughorn at the beginning of the book when you meet Horace for the first time. And, if you'll believe this or not, this is an OMG moment, when Dumbledore uh, apparates with Harry, he goes, you are with Mm. me. And now, at the end of the book, he Mm. says, I am with you. The whole Harry-Dumbledore dynamic has Mm. completely changed in this book. And I was trying to pinpoint where, and at first I thought it might be when Harry just let... um, So Dumbledore was... uh, uh, on the drink of despair, and he, Harry got him into the boat while he was uh, lassoing that fire, and it just Harry used his intelligence to assess the situation and actually do the right thing, and not get in the way of anyone else. And I thought that might be the moment where Dumbledore's like, well, finally he's learning some Ravenclaw qualities because he needs all four <laughs> houses to figure out how to get these Horcruxes. But it's also possible that he changed his mind when Harry got uh, Slughorn's memory. So, but there's definitely this is the chapter where everything changes between Harry and Dumbledore. No, I think you're, I, I think like. you're absolutely right because right before in the in the previous chapter when Harry's leaving and Hermione says, "Now take the Felix Felicis with you," Harry says, "I'll be fine. I'm with Dumbledore." And so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, for, furthermore, I mean, if you're looking for a moment, it's it's certainly got to be where the power dynamic or where the dynamic shifts between them. It's got to be when mm-hmm. he's force feeding Dumbledore. I mean, this is something that yeah, you that imagine be. doing with, like, an elderly parent or somebody who's, you know, in the infirm. You're, you're feeding somebody. You're, uh, he has to lie to Dumbledore, like, oh, this is this will make you feel better. Like, that's something that is is much uh, more, more of a, a mature problem to have or more, like, that that could have aged Harry 20 years. Well, and, and um, uh, actually, before we go on to the potion, because I definitely want to talk about that, I guess I just wanted to perhaps suggest with those quotes and connor you were kind of touching upon it too with the change in the dynamic or the the power in the relationship it it just the these quotes always just i guess they just stand out to me because they don't necessarily have they're they're such little throwaway moments of dumbledore disregarding harry for a minute and realizing what he did Mm -hmm. and it's not very common to his character to disregard people who are in his presence um he's very attentive to people most of the time and it just kind of, to me, was almost like more of that kind of Dumbledore that we're going to see in Deathly Hallows, who, when he has a focused mission that is serving the greater good, that he sometimes forgets about certain people who might also be suffering. Yes, yes, 
even his family. Well, that's that's been my frustration with the whole book, because Dumbledore hasn't been doing this the whole book. I mean, every time Harry brings something up, Dumbledore's like, well, we're going to talk yeah. about what I want to talk about now. <laughs> oh, heavens no, that's not what happens in the book. Like, uh, Dumbledore, no, 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 that's, that's incorrect, because Dumbledore simply tables the discussion about mm. Snape and Draco because he knows Harry's right. And he knows that there's also nothing that can be done about it because he needs Snape to complete his mission by the end of the I understand year. his reasoning, needs... but it's still frustrating through the whole book to just but shut he's Harry not, down. He's not disregarding what he's not disregarding what Harry but says. But it feels he's like it. impeding the he's impeding the investigation. <laughs> what he's doing is preventing Harry from reaching that because if Harry reached that conclusion about Snape or about Malfoy with definitiveness and and made a, such a fuss over it that they had to pay attention to it, Snape would be killed by the unbreakable vow, by his un- inability to fulfill the promise, and Draco would probably be carted off to Azkaban, but Dumbledore would still be alive, but without his double agent, and the whole no, plot I, would I be screwed up. I think Connor's right in that it's, it's frustrating to read. Like, it's... And that's perhaps even a... Again... A, 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 but it's not It's not like Dumbledore no, doesn't it's know not, no, and I don't on, or... Like Dumbledore's no, fully in control well, of the fact that he's as not talking to Harry about that. The book, the book where the book where Dumbledore didn't talk to Harry was book five. Well, yeah, and he had keeping his distance. This one, I, I feel pref- like Dumbledore. The whole Horcrux, instead of surely the Horcrux lessons him. where Dumbledore lays bare the entire rest of like the game plan to kill Voldemort is is a huge moment between them. There's a series of moments. The lessons with Dumbledore are one of my favorite things about this book. Like. Dumbledore oh no! I don't think that's in question. I think what Connor's saying is that there's uh, Dumbledore arrests when it gets to that part about Malfoy and Snape. Dumbledore arrests control of the conversation. Um, well, he well, does, he but Harry doesn't, and so that's you know it's. And I get, I guess, I get Dumbledore's approach with that because Dumbledore knows that Harry won't give this up, and so I think his new approach is I'm going to be stern with you because i haven't been before um but of course that doesn't work so <laughs> is is the consequence but i just you know i was just wondering if maybe the groundwork hasn't isn't being laid in this book and in this chapter even just for the dumbledore that we're going to be encountering in deathly hallows um that it may it's not com- it shouldn't be a complete surprise but yeah, it's an interesting question but uh, uh, uh going yeah. back to the potion um, which, as far as we know, through through Pottermore, is officially called the Emerald Potion, thanks to the Half Blood Prince soundtrack. Mm. It has a much m- more interesting name that I prefer, which is the Drink of Despair. Um, I think that's much better. <laughs> but it it has essentially been confirmed that the potion causes the drinker to vividly re- rel- relive bad memories while also physically weakening them. What what I've read about it is that it happens oh, in stages. Where do, oh, that's interesting. <clears throat> so, uh huh. Yeah, it was just a theory. I can't remember where I read it, but basically, that first it causes you kind of excruciating pain, and then it goes into the bad memories, and because you're, you, you, they compound on top of each other. So not only are you in physical pain because it's doing whatever it's doing to your insides but then you have these horrible memories in your head and then basically yeah. you just uh, x's on the eyes because well, it's just too much your body can't handle it the that's physical a, and it's a great description pain. to lead into my question which is that i kind of noticed and i don't know if you guys did because the again we're dealing with such interesting dark magic here and this is a potion i think 
like next to Fred and George's simulated daydreams, which are completely harmless, but they are vivid. There is nothing I don't think we've seen that's like this as a potion, as something you can drink. And it just seemed, though, that there have been things like this we've seen before. And I'm wondering if maybe there are things that Voldemort pulled his inspiration from or maybe even used somehow in his potion because apparently this is a vote nobody's made this potion before this is voldemort's potion um as far as we can tell and i I didn't know if you guys saw any connections to i didn't want to flat out point them out if maybe you guys perhaps saw connections to other things we've encountered in here's a connection if if a creature drank it how did it refill voldemort refilled it manually if creature Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm. He would have. He would have known. Of, oh wait, he did know yeah. about. He was there with creature. Yeah. He did know about Regulus because he killed. He Regulus. wasn't with Regulus. Okay. He was with creature because he um, took creature the first time to test the the whole thing, and he had. Uh, yeah. Voldemort oh, Voldemort borrowed, borrowed him. him. You're oh, okay. I, I know. Wow, I did too. I, I only remember because that. I reread it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then Regulus goes back on his own. Wait, so. but but how does it go? How does Voldemort not know that the fake locket is there? Because it the potion was refilled around the fake locket. Yeah, it doesn't. It, the potion would have had to have refilled itself because there's no way Voldemort knows that it's been drunk. So that's right. the only way to explain it. Well, Otherwise, it's just a mistake I, by rolling. That that's really the fear too that I had while reading this chapter is it, there's a moment where Dumbledore is uh, Dumbledore loosens loosens his grip um, and it almost falls, but Harry catches it. I'm like, well, if if any of that spills, does the whole thing refill Probably. itself to the top? Like, you know, what's What's the magic surrounding that? Or if Harry decides to take a few drinks, um, does it then refill to twice the amount? Like, you know, how much does it know about what they're doing? Mm. The coolest thing about this was the water deprivation aspect where afterwards Dumbledore survives, but water vanishes before it can get to his lips. Like, he, he literally cannot be relieved. Like, that is incredible. Yeah, somebody in the comments was like, why didn't Harry just shut his <laughs> wand down his throat? <laughs> and I was like... Whoa! Harsh. You've already violated <laughs> well, that. You've already crossed that line. Why not just? Well, Connor, you had a question about that. <laughs> oh, I was just wondering if uh, could Harry have drunk the water from his Augmenti spell, or was the curse uh, on more than just the drinker? Seems to me like Harry probably uh, could have drank his own water, but Dumbledore, for some reason, could not have. He could have yeah. baby birded it, drink it, and give it to Dumbledore. Because kissing yeah. is totally allowed on that island. I mean, <laughs> if it do saves what you his do. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I wonder. It was, it's not clear, and I like how it's kind of vague, that the goblet is, it's disappearing from the goblet. The goblet was not provided to them by Voldemort. Voldemort was like, here, have a goblet. Dumbledore conjured that. So if the curse cannot be on the goblet itself to always be empty if it's tried to be filled with water, the curse has to be on the potion, which was on, which was previous. So either the the potion, having been in the goblet, now prevents water from being held there constantly. Or the potion, having been drunk by Dumbledore, is preventing uh, any other water than the lake water to enter his lips after the potion touches the lips. Or it's in the air. It's just like one of those atmospheric things mm. where water that's not a body evaporates. I think... Uh, yeah. Voldemort's pretty, Could be. Voldemort's pretty no, smart. No, I, I think, I Connor, you're on to something because I think Voldemort's magic in this cave is very much accounting for intention on the part of the people who are in there. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah. I think, mm-hmm. I, like you said, I'm very impressed. I don't know how he did it. Because, I, I mean, there, there's magic here that's doing things like 
Harry notes that the darkness is darker than he, he thinks it should be. He noted. Yeah, yeah, the, the ripples go itself, away too like fast. The ripples on the lake go away faster, yeah. faster than they're supposed I to. I think they like, say the, the air even feels heavy, or there's there's something about just the yeah. atmosphere being heavy too. There's all sorts of well, that's, things. they're also in a cave, guys. So are, remember yeah. that caves have well, very do, different. Harry atmospheres even says it's kind of like your whole else. thing with the how does Harry know about the tide? Because it's like Harry, how does and Harry's been in caves, but not caves like this. Um, but he does note that the darkness seems more oppressive than he thinks it should be. Yes. Right. So I mean, I, he does know what dark I, is, I, so that's, I'll give him that much. I could, yeah, he's I been could in a dark dormitory that, at night. Like, so. if Voldemort might have a way of casting a spell where if, a, if, if water touches somebody's lips, it disappears if it's not the water from the lake. Well, and also, too, you know, um... Connor's point here, Voldemort yeah. didn't expect there to be two people. So I do think that Harry probably could have conjured... I don't know if he could have drink, had it out of the goblet, but I do think that if he was cool enough to conjure something else, um, he would have been able mm-hmm. to get water in that. Could he have conjured milk? Would milk? <laughs> no, because that's food, and yeah. you can't uh, uh, oh, yeah, make yeah. food out of thin air. It has to come but, from somewhere. And, and oh, with man. my... With my question about where perhaps Voldemort got this idea for the potion, I was, since I didn't hear any of you say it, I, I was thinking of uh, Dementors and Bogarts as maybe sources of his inspiration and things that he may have even found a way to incorporate mm. into the potion yeah. somehow. Um, the essence of Dementor, yeah. that was an <laughs> It's horrible yeah. to think about, but it's not. I wouldn't put it above Voldemort to figure out how to... Yeah, to stew yeah, some, do- some 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 dementors and bogarts in a in a cauldron, um, and then of course that would that would imply that dementors well, and see, have physical the, the, bodies. Again, Voldemort playing with things that shouldn't be played with. Um, I imagine I imagined Voldemort is somebody who could yeah. actually use some kind of essence from a from a dementor or a bogart. Yeah, you know what? Voldemort is 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 so close to the Dementors that I think there absolutely would be a plausible a plausibility there some... for him to get some ingredients from them. Yeah, he uses, <laughs> he uses the air. Maybe maybe he had maybe he had a Dementor kiss his, his lucky. Oh uh, oh oh! Maybe but... maybe he uses the souls Ooh. that they suck out of people. I like He's that drinking. He... Yeah, souls. Maybe, dude. Maybe that's what Dumbledore's drinking. Maybe it's other people's really crappy. I mean, we well, you know it's not, and it's but funny that would you be say fun that because <laughs> there were a lot of theories back in two thousand and five about what Dumbledore was seeing, based on the fact that Dumbledore was yeah. yelling things out such as "Don't hurt them" and "And no more, please." Yep. Hurt, hurt me instead. I recall you guys yeah. doing a MuggleCast episode a long time oh, ago please. about the theories. Yep. There were some wild ones. It was, Eric, it was, just, it was just about Eric, what he drank. remind yeah, us of some of the things <laughs> if you remember any of them. Uh, well, what I remember most is that it's, you know, we're trying uh-huh. to tie it in with the words that are coming out of his mouth, with the things that he's saying. Hurt them, not me. You know, you get the idea just like the document that you wrote up says, like, um, students in peril. You know, things like that. When Deathly Hallows came out, I think we revisited the subject, and it was just like, well, is he thinking about Ariana? Is he thinking, you know, he says, like, I know I did wrong. Is that, does that in any way relate to the peril he personally experienced with ignoring his family? Or, 
you know, I know I did wrong is a heck of a thing to see. It almost seems uncharacteristic that at any point in his life, Dumbledore would have to atone for something he did wrong unless it's like what he did with Harry. Um, and that hasn't happened yet to where we found that out. So it's like, is it really his memories? Are they someone else's memories? That was the big, we couldn't get past that question. I still can't get past that question. So until you get past that question, whether they're his memories personally and what he's saying is result is like actually coming from him or whether there's someone else's memories entirely and in that case totally insignificant what he's saying just has to do with whatever he's seeing but it's not related to his past and then there's the issue of he always says like no more don't want any more but you never know if he's yeah. completely always talking about the potion mm-hmm. or whatever he's seeing are, are we in agreement uh, on like, what it is now? I believe or is there, there is general agreement that it's well, stuff did, about his family, yeah. mostly Ariana, but the way he's talking suggests because he says don't hurt them, and his family was all consequenced as a result of his actions. Yeah, but as but his family was never in one place together being like tortured. I, I think it I starts off with a bad memory and then it switches to fear of his students i think that what I, that was a theory that i still I that was believe. i mean why you can't say they and it refer to his family because that doesn't really fit i i don't know because this this part on page 572 says it's all my fault it's all my fault please make it stop i know i did wrong oh please make it stop and i'll never never again that has yeah, to be yeah that has to be ariana yeah ariana. i think because the yeah. students in peril was a very popular theory because nobody knew anything about Dumbledore's family circa 2005. Right. Um, mm-hmm. There were there were people who thought maybe it did refer to something in Dumbledore's past like his family, but nobody could say anything for sure. I kind of got the sense, like I always just, and this is purely based on theory and assumption and how I read the text, but I always kind of got the sense that while there is a reliving of bad memories, that there's also kind of this... Like it's almost like a film going through his head of everything he did wrong with his family, and maybe he's experiencing these memories rapidly, strung together, meshed together. You are really seeing kind of a projection, yeah. like a Bogart would show you, like a Bogart in it's it's kind of like a glorified household pest. It's the creature under the bed. But it has a way about it, a magic about it, that allows it to pinpoint exactly what you're most fearful of. And it can actually be an abstract situation, such as the death of a child, and it will show you the corpse of, like, it's, that's the magic behind it. It shows you the corpse of your kid. And and so to see him possibly seeing his family, who he's betrayed, like, all at once, when they wouldn't have necessarily appeared together and have been, like all hurt by him that he could actually be seeing a situation that doesn't exist that never existed it's not a memory it's not you know in the way that a dementor would pull bad memories to the surface but it's also like a projection of your fears in some way the way that a boggart is so i I think it's accurate um one sec i think it's accurate to, to kind of conflate Dementors and Boggarts when describing this po- the effects of this potion, like I think, is a pretty good mm-hmm. guess. I do that think it, too mm-hmm. that that quote that I read before, mm-hmm. and this made me really sad just thinking about it. Um, when he says, "Oh, please make it stop," and I'll never, never again, he's talking about loving somebody. He's talking about he will never love or fall for another person again because of what happened he could also be talking about just never putting his family second again Mm -mm. no i don't think so because he's talking about 
he's 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 saying uh, fix i'm sorry i did this thing wrong make it stop and i'll never do this other thing that made this happen again and in his mind what made ariana die is his duel with grindelwald and the fact that he you know loved him and wanted to stop him from being that I person think it's just that he left his family he, yeah he left because mm. of love but it's just that he left he didn't he didn't give any care to his sister he let her alone and he didn't care about his family he cared about but himself I think more than he, he cared about his family he like, based on was, what Rowling has said and again this you know this depends on how you interpret it because she says this out of outside of the book canon but she has said that mm. Dumbledore and this is you know this is a very interesting thing to talk about especially with the recent ruling of the Supreme Court um, as far as Dumbledore's sexuality, because Dumbledore, uh, uh, she says, con- consciously um, became asexual after his um, after his time with Grindelwald. He actually right. chose to not have a relationship again, and he turned to books. Um, and that's and so the, I, I think yeah. if mm-hmm. you if you want to, because uh, just as much with Deathly Hallows, when you read the stuff about Grindelwald. I mean, no, I don't think very many people initially read it thinking that Dumbledore was in love with Grindelwald. That was something that's imposed on the text later by Rowling. Right. Of course, she knew it, but we didn't. And I think... I, the first time I read it, I, I felt... A strong, strong connection, at least. Yeah, there. definitely. Uh, I, I thought it was something but, more than that. But, it, but I... I Albus was seduced <laughs> but, by the But I, I, I guess I'm just saying that it's it's just as much of a choice that you can read it that way in this particular instance it's not definitive but i do agree with with you cat that i think that's that's some that's definitely strong possibility of what dumbledore's saying but but uh before we um kind of wrap up the discussion i do want to jump back a little bit to voldemort because there's some interesting things said about voldemort in this cave um he's probably got there's a lot of discussion about voldemort here and it, and it leads up to some very interesting conclusions that I wanted to point out. So there's a few quotes here about Voldemort. And the first one is, as we talked about earlier, Dumbledore um, is not very impressed with Voldemort on this cave business. And then Harry says, Pay- yeah, <laughs> not good enough. Uh, as, they're, as, they're, um, as Dumbledore figures out that payment is needed for the cave. Payment? Said Harry. You've got to give the door something? Yes, said Dumbledore. Blood, if I am not much mistaken. Blood? I said it was crude, said Dumbledore, who sounded disdainful, even disappointed, as though Voldemort had fallen short of the standards Dumbledore expected. The idea, as I am sure you will have gathered, is that your enemy must weaken him or herself to enter. Once again, Lord Voldemort fails to grasp that there are much more terrible things than physical injury. The next quote, Voldemort would have been reasonably confident that none but a very great wizard would have been able to find the boat, said Dumbledore. I think he would have been prepared to risk to his mind the most unlikely possibility that somebody else would find it, knowing that he had other obstacles ahead that only he would be able to penetrate. Voldemort will not have cared about the weight, but about the amount of magical power that crossed his leg. I do not think you will count, Harry. You are underage and unqualified. Voldemort would never have expected a 16-year-old to reach this place. Voldemort's mistake, Harry. Voldemort's mistake. Age is foolish and forgetful when it underestimates youth. 
And then uh, further on, when they're sailing across the lake, this is probably one of my favorite things that Dumbledore says about Voldemort. There is nothing to be feared from a body, Harry, any more than there is to be feared from the darkness. Lord Voldemort, who, of course, secretly fears both, disagrees. But once again, he reveals his own lack of wisdom. It is the unknown we fear when we look upon death and darkness. Nothing more. And I also pulled a quote from Deathly Hallows that I thought was relevant to kind of some of the ideas here, which is after Creature tells his story and he explains that he was able to leave the cave after drinking the potion. And Hermione says, how could or Harry actually asks and then Hermione responds, how could Voldemort have made such a mistake? But even as he thought this, Hermione spoke, and her voice was icy. Of course, Voldemort would have considered the ways of house elves far beneath his notice. Just like all the purebloods who treat them like animals, it would never have occurred to him that they might have magic that he didn't. And my, what I was just noticing about the picture that Joe is painting in this chapter of, of, of Voldemort that we've kind of gotten before, but it's being flat out said here. Again, my favorite quote is when Dumbledore basically says, Voldemort's afraid of the dark. And... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The thing you need to know about Voldemort, Harry, is he's <laughs> and secretly afraid of the A dark. thing I was wondering is... And bodies. Because we've talked about kind of mathematical issues of splitting up a soul and how many... How much soul is left in Voldemort and how much soul is in each Horcrux. But I, I, right. I kind of also wanted to talk about the development of Voldemort as a person and just touch on the, my question was that did, did splitting his soul so early in life, because we know he did, made his first Horcrux at Hogwarts when he was a teenager and did splitting his soul so early in life condemn Voldemort to this very, what Dumbledore paints as a juvenile way of behaving and viewing the world. And is this something that Voldemort could have maybe outgrown and maybe be even been a greater wizard had he not done this? I like the question. Um, it's 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 it might go a little bit of a way to explain his behavior in book seven, really, um, to me, because there's there's a lot of really cool things in this cave, a lot of really cool setup. Um, when he finds out that it's Horcrux, <laughs> right, he yeah, he has little tantrums and goes crazy and and goes cra- and goes crazy and like runs and from kills place people to place and then on the way pissed and goes and attacks Hogwarts. But, uh, but yeah, but like, um, maybe that has to do with his whole, cause this whole cave thing is so well thought out. Voldemort, or sorry, Dumbledore on the boat ride out of the cave is like, oh, after all, this was a pretty good thing after all. Uh, he, cause he says, he, he says one person would not have been able to do it alone. Um, so he's giving, even though he takes points away from Voldemort on the way to the island, on the way back, he's giving some credit back where it's due. And that's, see, your question about whether or not his early, you know, splitting of the soul stunted his growth in a way. Um, I like that idea of having to account for his sort of uh, hectic, frantic reactions in the way that he handles himself once he realizes he's on the path back to mortality. Well, the the first time we see uh, Tom Riddle, uh, when Dumbledore sees him as a young kid at the orphanage, He's already mm-hmm. exceptionally arrogant, so I don't know if mm. splitting his soul really changed him at all. I think he kind of was how he was to be- begin with. 
it, it is interesting to figure out what attributes Voldemort has that are like tangibly because of his like splitting of the soul. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Horace calls it unnatural in in the Horcruxes chapter. It's like it's not a natural thing to do to split your like to actually encase your to tear it tears the soul apart. It's against nature. Actually, just that word that phrase against nature to be able to see on this person. Dumbledore says in a later chapter that Voldemort, the part of Voldemort's soul that's in his body, that he still retains his uh, brain, like his smarts, and and all of his magical prowess. Like that, the fact that his soul is diminished does not affect uh, his ability to think uh, with all of his wits, and does not affect his strength as a wizard in terms of casting spells. So what does well, it affect? Honestly, what the hell else is there? Jeez, <laughs> hey, I swear. What the heck else is there? Yeah, that's because that's hell tame. is fine, Eric. Isn't that what matters the? Isn't that what matters the most though to a wizard? Like, what exactly is the downside of splitting your soul? I'm not seeing. And this. What, what that's are why those? I asked the question um, because I think this is the downside. Because, like you said, Connor, there there are some things that seem to be predetermined about Voldemort, and I think that's a discussion that perhaps will go on about the books forever because. There's also, of course, the issue that Voldemort was birthed under a love potion, and a lot of people have said, yeah, that there right. that that under was duress. that predetermined a lot of things about him, and even Rowling has suggested that to a degree. But she's also just as much suggested textually in the book that Voldemort, yeah, that Voldemort had a choice, that and that choice. he also, by the end, you know, and I guess what ties into this question is that essentially. Rowling has explained in the book does this pretty much explain this that if Voldemort had felt any like small iota of remorse for anything he did in Deathly Hallows when he talked to Harry at the end that he would have he would have felt something but he would have died on the spot because he wasn't equipped to feel anything um but he would have still had that ability because he still had at least had a little bit of soul left in him um but it would have killed him and so it, it I, I, that's why I wonder just if, if, you know, by splitting his soul, Voldemort almost put himself in this, like he kind of permanently is that Tom Riddle from Hogwarts. Like he's, he never grew beyond that. He grew, like you said, Eric, he grew in smarts because as Dumbledore says in the previous chapter, in, in a previous chapter, his brain isn't affected. Um, but I just assumed mm-hmm. that this, like, I was kind of wondering if this doesn't stunt his emotional growth. I think what uh, splitting your soul takes away from you is just your ability to be compassionate and love, which I think the books prove are pretty important aspects of life mm-hmm. you're throwing away. Well, I think, too, with Harry, it is said in Dumbledore's office that when when Voldemort possesses Harry, it's, he, he does it with great... Um, uh, Risk what risk yeah great risk to himself because it's this diminished soul versus a full soul and i guess in the terms of possession it matters the most because one soul is trying to take over the other um but that's really like the biggest thing i can i can see about why voldemort having not a full soul in his body like all in one piece Mm -hmm. actually matters um, does it make him more dangerous? Oh yeah, I, I think absolutely it makes him. I think Dumbledore knows it makes him more dangerous, and I think in a way, again, I'm suggesting that perhaps it makes him more dangerous because he has the mindset of a selfish teenager. Yeah, I was gonna say, is it is it more dangerous for any other reason that he is like mm-hmm. di- impossible to kill at that state? Like, 
that he becomes harder and harder to kill for good if he splits his soul so many mm-hmm. times is there another side of but the the conversation has gone on i think quite a bit on this there's so much more to talk about i will end by saying um that i think rowling's writing is completely taking a new interesting tone here that it does set the stage for deathly hallows um there's a yeah i did want to just at least say that there's a there's a brand of suspense in this chapter that i think we has is new for the Harry Potter series. She's she does suspense well, but there's something different about this one. And it reminded me of um Voldemort returning in Goblet of Fire. I think that's It definitely and it, it's funny cuz it definitely reminded me of that too. Like I was thinking back on that. Yeah, I was absolutely getting that right. sense, but I, and maybe it's I don't know if it was the setting or maybe the the fact that I think the thing that makes the difference between that and this is that Voldemort isn't physically present and in a way that makes it more terrifying because Voldemort loves to monologue and tell you what he's doing and without him there to do that and to show off Dumbledore and Harry are completely left at his mercy um and as Dumbledore continually talks about there is this fear of the darkness and the unknown and how we really shouldn't fear it but I think the narration continually counters that with Harry being like yeah but there's dead bodies in the water (laughs) like so well you know it's interesting uh not to jump ahead to the next chapter but the the hold that dumbledore places on harry the 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 paralysis etc that goes away the second he dies because once you die your spells uh go away the fact that voldemort was able to enchant this cave in such a way die and that all Mm -hmm. of those enchantments are still there um may speak to whether dark magic is more powerful or just may speak to the unique way in which Voldemort was able to do this because uh, was there a period of 14 years where the cave was penetrable and you could go in and go take the Horcrux because he wasn't alive yet to kind of reestablish his spells or what, what's going on because those hmm. spells presumably lasted since he put them there and those in theory were just waiting that entire time after even after his death all through his death and you know past his rebirth to this moment right but you have to think about he didn't die his physical body died he didn't die Mm. so Uh so is it yeah so is your soul that's holding those spells to i would say so yes yeah Yeah, i guess i I mean i was about to say your soul tethers Mm. you to life but not in the wizarding world because you can get your soul sucked out and still be alive apparently (laughs) so there's there's some questions with that there Fate worse than death. Fate worse and than death. Connor, I, I actually, if, 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 if you, if, I don't know if you know how to compact it a little bit because we're, we're pretty, I think, over time. But I do want to let you go ahead and say the, the, what you wanted to talk about about Plato's cave. Yeah, I, I'd love to hear it. I really I would love to hear oh. it. So. I really want to see this happen. This is. It's yeah. well, I don't know if I can compact. Give it a shot, and if it's uh, not, we'll, we'll, we'll put anyone, it in the extras so, or something. Yeah. Um, has anyone read have... Plato's cave allegory? <laughs> Okay, so I have it was a while ago. I kind of know the summary, but it's like, how will people in the living in the cave explain what life is like outside of the cave to the people inside the cave? I'll give a brief summary of what that is. It's in. Did I do that? Just butcher that? It, it was, but not close. very eloquent. Um, it's in Plato's okay. The Republic, and it's a small section of that um, play. And he, the idea is that you have prisoners in a cave. And they're all chained together. They're forced to look at the wall in front of them, and they can't move their necks to turn around. And there's a fire behind them, and there's um, objects 
uh, going across the line in the fire. So they're seeing shadows of objects. So they're seeing like a sandal or something. And they're seeing the shadow of a sandal. And so they think that's the, that's a sandal. To them, that is a sandal. Because they don't know what it what a real sandal is like. So then if you take those people and you bring them out of their chains and they can see the fire, at first they'll be blinded because the fire is so bright. Uh, light, in this instance, is sort of a... Um, allegory for um, enlightenment or knowledge. Um, but if you see the fire, you'll be blinded first, but then once you get your bearings, you'll realize, well, wait a second, that was just a, that was, this is a sandal. What I saw was a silhouette. And so now they have a whole new, total new foundation of what they've learned. And then if you get out of the cave completely and you look at the sun, again, you're blinded. So you're just different levels of knowledge. And the whole idea is that in order to fully understand something, you must know it holistically. And that's what this book, especially Half-Blood Prince, is all about. Harry needs to learn what is going on holistically. That's what Dumbledore gets so mad at him when he doesn't understand the prophecy. He says, you need to understand why you're doing it. That's the most important part. Because up until then, Harry doesn't really understand mo most of anything. And that's what Dumbledore's been trying to teach him. And obviously the, the similarities in this chat... I mean, if this was... Uh, a cuckoo's calling. This she would have had Plato's cave allegory in ancient Greek. You know, just a line from that. You know how she does with each chapter, some ancient Latin yeah. thing she puts there. That would be the line for this chapter because it's just right out of the book. I mean, you have the cave, you have the f fire. The Inferi are basically the prisoners. They only see the dark. They can't stand the light. I oh, mean, it's it's. That's she's cool. really. I think sh she took a lot of inspiration from that particular. I'm sure she did. I mean, she well, yeah, reads a lot. A, yeah. so. Of course, because I, I took an intro um, in this philosophy class, and this is like this was taught, I think, within the first month or so, um, this this allegory. So I'm sure knowing the kind of classes that Rowling took in college, I wouldn't be I would Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think she mentioned in her Harvard speech that she went searching for ancient wisdom while yeah. she was at college. Yeah. She took all the classics. And yeah, I, I think that, that definitely cool. adds to the this you know the the ancient magic and the eeriness of this as much as i would love to read about what dumbledore does when he leaves hogwarts i'd, I'd even more like to read about what jk <laughs> rowling did in college to look up ancient yeah. stuff you know all the stuff that was like actually formative to the harry potter like her reading about tree wood you know, <laughs> like i, I want to just watch a, a uh, made for tv movie that's her researching trees like <laughs> oh boy i totally want that but yeah, yeah. Careful what you wish Go. for. I think it's the coolest thing that 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 her years and years and years of research all boiled down into seven books, um, in such a really cool way that we're able to people like Hunter are able to pull that literary mm -hmm. work out of yeah. this scene. Yeah, I like it. And we like that con I like that connection. It actually, if the whole allegory, if you read the whole thing, there's so many similarities between the whole series. I mean, there's. I think actually one translation has the line in essence mm. divided. I mean, they talk about things wow. that are one and the same yet divided. I mean, they're just talking about Harry and Voldemort hmm. over and over again, just in a completely that's different so way. Cool. Yeah. See, and and that's why I just. I'm glad. I'm glad that I, I knew the conversation about this chapter was going to be so substantial, and I'm very much looking forward, actually, to the listener input because, you know, there's so much to talk about in this chapter, and I don't think we were able to touch everything that you could discuss here. Um, you could 
you could talk about every paragraph oh, yeah. for like two minutes. I mean, there's a Absolutely. lot going on in this chapter. But unfortunately, Alohomora does not have that kind of time. That's why we look to you, the listeners, so make sure to head over to the Alohomora main site after you've listened to this show and leave your comments with us because we will definitely be reading some more of those. Um, and you, you guys are what continued this discussion. Um, but for now, that is the end. We are exiting the cave, and it's okay because we are with Harry. So we'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. And we're going to move on to this week's podcast question of the week. So we talked, oh, well, we touched on it a little bit at the beginning of the chapter on ancient magic, you know, deep magic, Dumbledore, Voldemort, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I don't want us to try and, big word here, pontificate. That's a lovely about word. Thank you for how that. how that happens. And That's beautiful. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks. I don't get to use that word very often, so I'm going to throw it in there. Um, so I don't want us to Say have again. to, you know, <laughs> pontificate. Uh. I, I don't want to go there with the question of the week this week. So what I was really thinking about is, you know, in Harry Harry's reaction to a lot of this is he's like, he didn't even begin to think about how this would happen. He didn't ask Dumbledore or whatever, and I was wondering, I've been curious for a long time about how Dumbledore became the wizard that he was at the time of his death. You know, we talked a little bit about school and why there isn't university or whatever. Independent but, study. If it was right. all independent study. So, you know, we know that Dumbledore had plans to go traveling, but he never ended up doing that and presumably never did much with his life um, besides teaching. Transfiguration. So, what? Oh, transfiguration, right? He was a transfiguration teacher? Yes, he was, right. Yeah, and that's but, just one subject, and he seems to know a lot about a lot of other stuff. Right, but so seemingly he, like, never left Hogwarts, really. Um, so where did he learn all this incredible magic, and how does one become that, quote, type of wizard, that really smart and intu- the intuitive magic, the... You know, I can rub my hands over the wall to find the door type of magic. Um, I'm really interested to see what you guys think about that. Um, I've wondered about that for a long time. It's like Gandalf, but he's like five bajillion years old. So it makes sense for him. I mean, Dumbledore's not that old. So, yeah, so there you go. I mean, I I think the difference is Gandalf comes from like another realm of the same world. Whereas Dumbledore is meant to be a human who's, you know like all the rest of us in in every biological way except for the addition of magic right so you guys know what to do you know leave us uh some comments over at alohomora.mugglenet.com send us an audio boom um you know you can uh record those on the website and maybe you'll hear it on next week's show Whew, it's a good one i'm looking forward to these yeah me too we want to thank our guest, Connor. Connor, you Ooh. were one cool ska guy. Thanks. <laughs> that was yeah. good, Eric. I think you're a cool ska guy, man. You're pretty cool. Make a pretty t-shirt of that. Pretty neat. Connor. <laughs> yeah. One cool ska guy. No, I had a pleasure being on this. Good. We're glad we finally got you on the show, and you were a f- absolutely fabulous contributor uh, to the discussion. We knew you would be. Based yes. on the the amazing comments Check you've been leaving mm. us, and we know that there's a lot of you other listeners out there who have been leaving wonderful comments, but frequently say, "Oh, I'm just too nervous to be on the show." 
Well, you best get over that if you want to be on at any point because we are at the tail end of Half-Blood Prince here, people. It is getting serious. It's time to buckle down and send in yeah. your audition to be on the show because we want to have you here. We want to talk with you about Harry Potter. And to do that, we ask that you visit the Be On The Show page at alohomora.mugglenet.com. If you have some headphones with a built-in microphone or maybe a microphone of your own as well as some recording equipment on your computer, you're all set to go. No super fancy equipment needed. And while you're on our website, alohomora.mugglenet.com, make sure and download a ringtone for free while you're hanging out there and getting ready to work yourself up into sending an audition for us. Yeah, and while you're listening to that ringtone, you can keep in touch with us by tweeting at alohomoramn. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash open the Dumbledore. Check us out on Tumblr at MN Alohomora Podcast. And you can always leave us a voicemail on our Skype number, which is 206-GO-ALBIS, 206-462-5287. And as I mentioned, send us an owl on Audioboom. It's free. All you need is an internet connection and a microphone. Go to alohomora.mugglenet.com. In the right-hand panel, there's a little green button. Click it. Send your message. Under 60 seconds, please. And uh, maybe you'll hear it on the show. Green button. Green button. Also, check out the Alohomora store. We have lots of fascinating objects for no horcrux perusal over there. We have house shirts, desk pig. <laughs> Man, no horcruxes yet. Desk pig, Mandrake Liberation Front, Minerva's My Homegirl, and so many more. Uh, totes and... Uh, what was I going to say? Tote. Uh, what's a... Is, is there a word for sandal that starts with T? I can't think of it right now. Thong? <laughs> thought you were going to say totes my Totes and the goats are over at the Hogwarts at the Alohomora have, store. So we have thong sandals. Click on the store. And we also have... <laughs> From totes to the goats. <laughs> we also store. have our Alohomora smartphone app. Well, how about that? It's available on this side of the pond and the other. Prices vary, depending. Seemingly worldwide. Seemingly worldwide. Sorry. (laughs) Prices vary depending on your location. The app usually includes transcripts, bloopers, alternate endings, host vlogs, and more. And this show, there will definitely be plenty (laughs) of extra content. (laughs) We got some good ones in there. Just for you, the listeners, lots and lots of extra discussion because this was... An absolutely astonishing chapter. Well done, Rowling. You're going places. <laughs> but yeah, you're gonna. You're gonna it make it one day, kid. Lights. <laughs> but for now, we head again. We are heading out of the cave. We are apparating back to Hogwarts. So we say goodbye for now. I'm Michael Harley. I'm Cat Miller. And I'm Eric Skull. Thank you for listening to episode 144 of Alohomora. Don't worry, you can open the Dumbledore, because I'm here with you. Pedimenta jinx he casts I can't why can't I say that word? Impedimenta. Someone say
impedimenta. Kind of weird word. Yeah, you said, said it, it right. right. It's been impedimenta. I said it right. You said it right every time so far. <laughs> oh, go me. Psyching <laughs> yourself out. Yeah, you're like five for five. <laughs> this is the point of the Felix Felicis Potion. <laughs> This is the point of the Felix Felicia's Potion. Wow. <laughs> don't hurt yourself. Guys, I'm really hungry. <laughs> yeah, you need some food. <laughs> get it. Don't, okay. don't have an aneurysm. Just... <laughs> I won't. Okay. This is the point of the Felix Felicia's Potion. <laughs> potion. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Eric. <laughs> 